That means we are in Bilsnos, as they say someplace. We're in the Bilsnos? We're on the Bilsnos. We're on the Bilsnos. We're on the Bilsnos with the red light there. All right. Wow. What are we doing? I don't know. Okay. You ready to do this? 63, huh? That's where we're at? Yeah. In this whole lineup? Yeah. All right. Welcome, everyone, to episode number 63 of the Goulet Pencast, where fountain pens are still a thing. I am Brian Goulet. I'm Drew Brown. And we're here from Goulet Pens to deliver this casual and informal, tangential and extraneous, superfluous and extemporaneous fountain pen show where we talk about what's going on at the Goulet Pen Company and in our fountain pen lives. We took a week off last week, but we are back we totally didn't give you a heads up. We were taking off last week. I remembered as soon as we stopped the recording. And I was like, ah, shoot. Yep. We said enough things, but not that. But I said a thing on Instagram on Friday, but okay, well, not all of you probably saw that. I'm so. deeply sorry for sorry. all of you who were just so eagerly anticipating another pen cast and you had to wait a week, but we're back. Uh, in today's show, we are going to be talking about if you're missing out on anything by not purchasing $300 plus pens, we give some love to some lesser talked about pen brands by request. Um, we're going to talk about if all extra fine nibs scratch or are scratchy. And we have a special guest, Andrew, aka Pen Friends. He's going to be deep diving about Yurushi pen finishes. That should be pretty good. Uh, we're going to be sharing some tips about disassembling and reassembling Twisby piston pens. And we're going to be spotlighting the Twisby 580 ALR, which I carried with me on my travels last week. And we'll have plenty of time in our turkey hammocks as well to make up for all of that precious time that we missed you last week. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to kick it off with some feedback. All right. Michelle is going to feed us back today. All right. And Michelle says... Uh, in regards to an image that I will be putting up. Uh, Brian, if you'd like to, you can see it. Yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, if you'd like to, you can see it in the Pencast folder. It's, oh. it's in this episode's okay. folder. Okay, all right. Let me get, um, let me get She said, as soon as I saw these, of course, I thought of the Goulet Pen Company. Thanks always for the Pencast. Informative, entertaining, and a pleasure to experience as a connection with the fountain pen crowd. Now, they, <laughs> she saw a, hey, ghoul, hey, like, hey, girl, hey. But... Mm. She saw, hey, Goulet. Goulet. I like that. <laughs> so, I, like I love that. the way that uh, Michelle's mind was working there. So yes. thank you for that. That, that, is, that is delightful. You, you see, see things the way you want to see them. Don't hey, you? Goulet. Rachel and I now, ever since we started this business, when we go, I don't know, to pick out like paint colors or we're looking at, I don't know, shower curtains mm-hmm. or fabrics or whatever, we're always equating it to like ink, ink colors absolutely. and stuff like that. You know, it yep. just happens. Absolutely. And then I got a lot of great information from a multitude of YouTube commenters saying that there exists a, an adapter that will convert my auxiliary jack in my car to a um, to a USB C adapter, so that oh, I can okay. use my phone to play through my speakers. And so I you don't, don't have to do the weird like Bluetooth radio, right, whatever did thing. Did not have to do that. Okay. Yep. Did you get one? No, because I still have like. 25 discs of my game of thrones book so i it, i'll be good for a while um yeah this one's actually 30 so you got like a 30 ten, discs you got like a 10 pound brick yeah of like remember those like yeah. case logic cd it's, like cases it's that you times flip two. through yeah wow yeah it's, wow. it's it's large all right so thank you for the info i didn't know one of those existed probably should have just googled it but 
That's what I have you for, right? That's right. <laughs> and then Leslie said, Drew, what a joy to see you decisively fall for the phantom brown pen mm. when the coffee connection materialized. It never ceases to amaze me how fountain pens and ink can be so meaningful and fun. Yeah, because that's really what it's about, right? Fountain pens mm-hmm. and ink. Just kind of trying to figure out which one speaks to you and mm. thinking about it long enough to give it the opportunity to speak to you, right? And considering mm. it long enough to be like, is this thing going to speak to me? And, and, and you weren't the first person, uh, Leslie, but someone else said like it was funny hearing Drew talk himself into it. All right, A, it's not hard for me to talk myself into <laughs> buying things. Yeah. But B, like that's just, you just give it the opportunity, give it enough time. Sometimes it doesn't happen, but usually if you give it enough time, give it the opportunity yeah. to speak to you, you you hear it. And, and that was when I made that coffee connection, like, oh, it's coffee brown, not with yeah. cream, but black mm. coffee. Mm-hmm. And then I was instantly like, yep, boom, done. You did it. Yeah. Made so, that connection. And now I want it. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so great. And I'm yeah. sure I'm not the only one out there. I'm sure that many of you have had your moments mm. too where all of a sudden it just kind of hits you and you're like, oh crap, I need it now. See, if they'd named that finish instead of dark brown, if they named it espresso, yeah, I bet you it would have like jumped right out. So, so sometimes it whispers and sometimes it yells. But you know, if you're listening, the pen will speak to you. Yeah. Yeah. Not this pen in particular. You mm-hmm. know, pens in general. Yep. Yeah. Very cool. Well, well, I got some feedback as well from, oh uh, boy, Liliadari. Sorry if I pronounced that wrong. Uh, I appreciate the formal shed and the casual shed. Talking about my multi-shed. With your fancy floor. My multiverse shed with my fancy floor. That's yep. right. Um, that's pretty much what I have going on. Yeah. And I do different things in there. You know, the one with the non-fancy floor has like all my grass seed and whatever other junk in there it's still now spill junk and whatever cares but i like, I, I, know, I'm, like i'm picturing you like putting on different clothes when you go into the fancy shed i mean i put on pretty gnarly clothes when i'm in either of these sheds <laughs> to be honest with you because they are sheds i think you need to have like some sort of like lot <coughs> like hook style lost boys thing you walk through and all mm. of a sudden you don like formal woodworking clothing like with arm gators and stuff like oh, looking okay. real nice yeah like the canadian tuxedo like all yeah done. absolutely that is that is a surprisingly fitting um, uh, stereotype for a lot of woodworkers. Is the I, all denim? I love all denim. I would, a lot. We, we, have, we have a well. we have a board here that we it's like a chalkboard that we sometimes write on as a company. And uh, Jen, our HR manager, put a put a writing prompt up there about like, what are you most excited about for fall? I wrote Canadian tuxedo because <laughs> it makes me happy. Also, I derive a bit of pleasure from it because my wife hates it when I wear all denim. Oh, why? She just doesn't think it looks stylish. It's classy. I, th- I'm, I I was very eager to point out an ad as we walked by the Gap, um, you know, last year or something. Mm-hmm. And it was just nothing but models wearing all denim on denim. I'm like, hey, honey, mm. look, that's me. That's basically me. There you go. Pretty much me. There you go. If y'all don't know about the backstory of the Canadian tuxedo, Google it. It's interesting. It is very interesting. It's an interesting story. It's not like a dig on Canadians at all. No, it no. doesn't really have anything to do with Canadians. Really. Very little. Man, we're not going to spoil it. We'll let you look it up. Um, Alejandro asked, when can we expect a full 100% fountain pen designed and produced by Goulet Pens? It would be great to see what you guys come up with, given all the experience and different views you have. Imagine a fountain pen conceived by the minds of Brian and Drew. Well, that's an interesting thought. You know, a hundred percent designed and produced. I think we could we could come up with oh, some interesting certainly. ideas. Who's the, gonna make it for the us? The producing is the part that gets a little bit tricky. Yeah. I mean you, you guys saw yeah. what happened with like the, the the black 
Lamy Studio. Amazing pen, mm-hmm. exclusive, but you didn't have a lot of options. It's like Lamy was not going to let you invent a new pen. Oh, you mean the Vista Black? Vista, sorry. I didn't yeah. mean, I said studio. I was you thinking did. about that coffee again. You are. Got so, it on the mind, yeah. Yeah, there's not a fountain pen company in there that's just going to let Brian and I kind of just do yeah, whatever we want. Yeah, but if we, we like want. produced it ourselves, what they're saying, like we should make one oh, from okay. scratch. I'll talk to the owner about that. Yeah. So, I mean, in, in theory, yeah, in concept, I, I would love to do this. However, I will say like operationally, making a fountain pen from scratch is far more difficult than you think. It's a lot of parts, a lot of engineering, the tolerances. I mean, you're dealing in microns. We don't have that kind of equipment. We don't have that kind of thing. So it's like we're going to basically have to work with somebody who makes pens on a regular basis. We're not going to be able to like manufacture it in our own facility. So by then we're working with somebody else and they're making the pen. So I don't know. Sure. It could potentially be on the docket in the future. But for right now, we're having a good time doing exclusives and co-branded stuff. So we are in a way getting to design some stuff, sometimes more than others, depending on the brand. But, you know, we'll think about it. And we got one from Tartaric Knight. Tartaric? Tartaric Knight. Gosh, this is me messing up all the names today. I share the exact same moment with Brian that Crayola Cerulean Crayon popped so hard. And I remember the name Cerulean and never really understood until I saw it pop up in a Pokemon game for Game Boy and then later with Goulet videos and realized it was a specific shade of blue. This must have been a Game Boy color, Drew, because the original Game Boy, there was no blue happening. No, no, it was actually, mm-hmm. it wasn't uh, shown in a Game Boy game. It oh. was uh, Cerulean City was oh. a location in the very first Pokemon game. Okay, so that's a deep cut. Deep yeah. cut then. Um, okay, continuing on. And as I look at the collection that is amassing, at the collection that is amassing, I realize I own a lot of blue pens and chase that same cram color the twisby alr prussian blue is the closest thing to that match well funny you should mention that <laughs> Frederick knight because i have the eco cerulean blue launching this week got it in my hand we're going to show that for the disassembly demonstration that we're doing and while i was traveling last week i was carrying a prussian blue alr you're a good company that was my you and tartar ignite that's right we got good taste so yeah i have the same thing i look at my ink collection i look at my pens and i'm like wow i really lean towards blue a lot no matter how many blues i have i'm always next blue comes out i'm like ooh, ooh, i like that blue i should get that (laughs) i have like so many other blues that are comparable colors so i have to consciously choose non-blues but anyway that's all we got for feedback let's talk about some new stuff yeah all right, well... Speaking of which... Good segue, <laughs> self, uh, Twisby Eco Cerulean Blue. Launching this week, or should be out by the time this video publishes. Mm-hmm. So you can pick one up today, $32.99, I believe. Going from memory. Um, so if it all goes smoothly, we should already be launched. Who knows? But yeah, we should, shouldn't have a problem with that. Yeah. Cool color. It's an Eco. You're probably familiar with it if you're watching episode 63 of two-plus-hour pencasts. But anyway, pretty cool. I dig the blue. It's blue. You should buy it. It's blue. And then we have an exclusive Colorverse ink, Witch by Starlight. I dig it. It's a really good one. I dig it. I'm very yeah. excited about this. Very one. excited. I don't know if we still have that. We're reordering or something. They're selling pretty quick. They are selling pretty quick, but we will have more. Yeah. So anyway, you should check that out. If you can get one now, get one, because I do believe it's going to be a while before we get in our stock. They are yeah. coming from South Korea, so um, yeah. it's going to be a bit. But Not they, like a year or anything. No, a couple no, months no, probably, certainly. Maybe, yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. So anyway. Uh, Very shimmery. Dark, like midnight blue color. 
Lots of shimmer. Lots of shimmer. It Which settles nice. quick. So yeah, constant agitation will be it necessary. It does. But it's a cool color. Um, and then we are going to be kicking off our Yaffa ink deal. If you've ever been with us for any of the holiday seasons of the past several years, we um, have done different types of deals with Yaffa, with their pens. All the, the So Yaffa is one of our distributors, one of our suppliers. They carry a whole bunch of different brands. Um, so we're going to be having some free private reserve ink that you can choose from. Not like every color because logistically that's just kind of a lot. But we're, we pick some of the more popular colors and we're going to offer them free with the purchase of a pen through basically now when this video launches through pretty much the end of the year. We'll see how stock goes, but you got a while. So any pen that you buy through Monteverde, Conklin, Diplomat, Peniter, Delta, Natuno, Mayora, Yookers. I don't think I've left any out, but there Do we still have Tabaldi? To Baldy, yeah, a little bit. Um, not many, but yeah. So any of those that you pick up, you'll get to pick one of those inks as well. So free free ink with a pen. How can you go wrong? What about you, Drew? What you got? Uh, well, there has been a new sailor launched. Get out of here. Yes, believe that, it or like, not. That never happens. I know, it's a special Crazy. edition. It's a limited, technically. So Sailor Shikiori, another Shikiori pen. Mm. They're celebrating, I believe, their fifth anniversary of the Shikiori line Okay. with a Minori 1911S. So the mm. Minori is, um, I think it translates something about like Bountiful Harvest or whatever, but it's, it's inspired by rice. And you would think that that would be a su- super boring white pen but no Brian Sailor comes it's up with these colors they come up with these a combos super wacky cool pen yeah so the inspiration okay is okay so you've got yeah you got to explain this because so, when you look at the picture you're like what is happening so you've got green blue and cleary gold for whatever reason so the right. green is the actual rice sprouting up out of the rice patty right okay the blue is the color of the sky above oh. and the gold sparkly cap represents the beautiful golden hour of harvesting time or whatever but uh, okay. so it's basically sunshine sky and <laughs> harvesting rice. time or whatever yeah it's the golden yes. hour painting a picture with words it's Drew. beautiful it is a beautiful pen much more pretty than my prose not prose that is written mm. verbal nonsense is what i'm doing there you go prettier than that check it out it's very cool we uh should have some by the time this pen cast airs and it also comes with an ink it comes with a Minori ink that is a very, very pretty, somewhat multi-tonal green, mm. which I had the opportunity to write with, and it was delightful. Yeah? Yes. So these, that's there. It's available. It's these, color, these colors they come up with, I'm like, I couldn't I couldn't put this together. If you but, told me what the combination was going to be, I'd be like, ooh, no, don't do that. And then I see it, I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's always surprising. It always works. They got a they got a touch for it. That's right, and then also not out um, yet, but on its way. Uh, actually, no, this it might be out by the time this publishes. Mm. We've got another Jacques Urban sixteen seventy ink. Yeah. So this, I believe, is their sixth sixteen seventy ink. But it gets they've done like the seventeen ninety eight. It gets confusing. Yeah, yeah, you've got two seventeen ninety eights and a three fifty. And before this, I actually had right. to look up a little bit because I forgot. What the whole what is numbers all, were? What does it mean? I'm pretty sure. Okay. I don't know if you recall, but I believe that 1670 <laughs> is gold shimmer, Correct. 1690 is silver, and then 350 is both. You mean 1798 is silver? Yes. 1798. Yeah. 1798 is silver, and then the 350 is both? both. Yeah. I think you're right about that. Yeah. Uh, so it took me a while because I knew I knew it, but I had forgotten it, which yeah. is first time that ever happened. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so this does have some shimmer. Now, the Jacques Urban 1670 inks have 
subtle shimmer. So it's not like something like, what were we talking about? Uh, oh, Witch by Starlight. The Colorverse, tons of shimmer. And honestly, most shimmering inks have a ton of shimmer compared to the 1670 sets. Mm. Though Those were more or less the uh, trailblazers in the whole shimmering ink Yeah, stuff. the original Rouge Hematite, that was the original was the 1670 one. ink. And that, I mean, I don't know if that was the first ink with shimmer, but it was definitely the first that... First one I ever saw. I was aware of. Yeah. Yeah. It came out in 2010 and we were we were still in the garage. This was like pre-Drew in our garage. So it's a while ago. Yeah. Not even worth remembering. Yeah. And uh, so <laughs> subtle, say, subtle shimmer. So much, which so much is more cool. hair at that time too. Just, you know, oh, man. hair thickness. Yeah. We had so yeah. much more just ambition and oh, man. bouncing I, our I, step. I, I saw a picture just eight years ago, like not even 2010 of me holding yeah. Archer. I'm like, oh my God, where'd all that hair go? Yeah. Like, man, yeah. Showing that Floofy. age. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, more skull, more distinction. I got, like the, I, I got like the resting crinkles in my face now. Like, oh, not, hush. You and your like full smiling. head of hair. Get out of here. I do. I do all appreciate right. my hair. Yeah. Um, all right. Quiet. Uh, so <laughs> 1670, if you want shimmer that is not going to be as cloggy and high maintenance as some of the other like shimmery explosion inks, yeah. 1670 is it's always like very, a great it's option. It's like really fine yeah. shimmer not the big chunk and there's just not a lot of it too like in the bottle yeah, you're, not gonna, you're not going to you're not going to see subtle. you know a ton of it piling onto the bottom you'll see it but uh yeah it's not a um who do you think's got like the chunkiest shimmer like shimmer tastic's pretty chunky some of the robert Oster, i feel like it's pretty chunky yeah i don't know i i, I feel like urban's got the lowest amount of it maybe right but but then and then uh, the, the, the pearlescent stuff that monteverde that private reserve has yeah it's very fine it's like a dust it's really fine but they put a ton, a ton of it in there exactly. it's just like a blanket of yeah sparkles but it's like sparkle dust so yeah. it, it makes it look very different than all the other ones yeah interesting it's hard to say the pelican the golden barrel had a lot of it in there too Golden barrel has a ton yeah and the uh the color verse too like i used a butterfly nebula i just used that that has very fine but it was a pretty decent amount of it as well yeah so yeah it is interesting to see and that's it very cool. All right. We got some Q&A questions this week, so we're going to kick into that. Kick into that. I don't know what that means. All right. Well, we're going to kick let's, it. Let's we're going to hunker down and kick it. Let's kick it. Um, <laughs> so Jeff Hankey asks you, Brian. Oh, boy. Am I missing? Jeff. Is Jeff missing? Are you Jeff? Okay. Anything. I'm Jeff. Am I missing mm. anything by not purchasing pens over $300? Yeah, I would say you're missing $300 pens, Jeff. Here's what Brian That's actually exactly says. I'm going to give you all a little bit behind the scenes on these notes. Two questions this week. Brian's first response was... Yes yeah, and no. Yes and no. I noticed that. I was like, did you notice that you did that? I'm trying not to say it depends quite as much. It's the same thing. So it's just my... It's my... my <laughs> My life hack for not saying it depends so much. <laughs> oh, anyway. no, no, but there's a logic to it. There's logic to it. Of course. Um, okay, bring it up. So the short answer is you definitely don't have to spend that much to enjoy like a lifetime of enjoyment. Absolutely fountain not. Fountain pens, right? Everybody's budget's going to vary. $300 is a lot of money, right? It's a lot of money in any context. But for some folks, it's like just an incredible amount of money. And I definitely don't want you to feel like you're like missing out, you know, especially as like the average fountain pen user, you're not missing out by not buying $300 pens. It's like any other hobby. You get deeper into it. You can definitely appreciate the more expensive pens, but you don't necessarily have to. And it's not like if you don't, you're always going to be left wanting, you know, necessarily. There's a law of diminishing returns. And at this point, you know, you're pretty far up the curve. So it's like you go from a $10 pen to maybe a $50 pen. 
you can really get a lot of more options, a lot more functionality and some key features that you'll really appreciate, you know, but the further up you go, going from, you know, that $40 jump there going from $260 to $300 pen may not even notice any difference whatsoever. So you got to go further and more expensive to when you get on the higher range of pens. So I think at $300, you're pretty, you're pretty far up there. You know, by then you're already, you're already past the point you've entered into gold nibs. You can get a lot of not even just entry level, but some of the like, you know, lower, lower gold nib pens where you can get some really decent writing pens. I mean, then you're into like Lamy 2000s, the custom 74s, the vanishing points, the custom 823s. I mean, you, you can get some really good sub $300 pens and have really good like premium writing experiences i would so, be just fine owning nothing but sub 300 pens for the rest of my life yeah i'd be fine with i think that. most people probably could yeah i don't think it's one of those things where it's like everybody should aspire to just keep climbing higher and higher and higher it's not it's not necessarily what this is about and maybe it's crazy for me as a fountain pen retailer to say that but it's not for everybody and i you think know? that the 300 price point is interesting because we've often not often but in the past, we've discussed that kind of 300 range. Now, it's climbed a little bit in the past couple of years. Yeah, but as we, everything we, has. We've yeah. discussed that 300 price point as mm-hmm. kind of the zone where once you do pass that, mm. you start getting into things that don't impact as much writing performance as right. it does yeah. aesthetics and material. Exactly. That's near the point, that $300 point. Yeah. Um, because after that, you, the writing experience is not going to be as focused on in terms of that price escalation then yeah there might be a few like internal mechanisms of pens like there's certain types of filling mechanisms that are harder to get on the lower end of the price range so if you want some of the more elaborate ones you got to spend a little bit more but yeah pretty much at that point you're getting to exotic materials theming design or just ones that take you know that just cost more money to produce for whatever whatever reason exactly so i listed out some of the things that you do you know kind of get into more with those $300 plus pens um a lot of it has to do with you know the more exotic materials things that are harder to get uh things that are like made in the body the cap of the pen not necessarily the guts of it um things like the nitrocelluloid the true like celluloids that are much harder to get now than they used to be it's an expensive material they're not made very much anymore now especially they're just getting more and more expensive it's hard to even find like a sub thousand dollar nitrocelluloid pen um not new not yeah and even new it's really hard to get only in like limited edition things too um other materials like marble like the visconti il magnifico oh god yeah that could i mean that's like two thousand dollar plus pen but you know that is crazy um sterling silver you know gold other things like that when you get into these really expensive just the materials themselves are really expensive or really hard to work or, you know, it takes, um, you know, special skill or ability to be able to use it like Yurushi lacquer and things like that. The labor that's involved or maybe the cost of the raw materials is going to push that that price up pretty good. But again, it's a preference thing, whether you even like those kinds of pens. <clears throat> Excuse me. Most uh, Yurushi or Machier, Rodden pens, any of these things, again, the materials, yeah, they're a little expensive, but it's the process of actually producing these, the skill involved, the training, that trade craft, uh, the artistry, and being able to produce pens with finishes like that. Um, it's gonna, you're, you're basically not going to find it. I mean, you can find a pen here and there that has an extremely simplified version of it, like the Platinum Modern Machier is sub $300. But that's kind of it. Or you yeah, can these days maybe, I think it's the uh, um the Kanazawa leaf. Uh, oh, that's true. Ones. They I think discontinued Maki, the modern Machier. Yeah, something. I haven't seen that yeah. in a while. 
Yeah, but the same, same concept. Always, yeah, same idea. That's a sub $300 pen, though, with gold nib. So even that, you can still get it. But, you know, if you want to get into, like, a really crazy stuff, chinkin' and that kind of thing, you're going to be up there in price. But, again, that's more of, like, an art piece, honestly, than it is a writing. I mean, it is a writing instrument, but it's it's your, your pay. What you're paying for in those more expensive pens is the actual artwork of it. Um, certain theming of... Some limited edition pens. We talked about the monographic chaos and things like that. Things where it's like very few of them made. Lots of design. Lots of complexity in the manufacturer. Yeah, not not paying for the nib and the feet on that one. Well, I mean, yeah, not not only to a point, right? Um, so there's some of that. Thinking like wild ones, like the Visconti watermark. You know, any like overlay type pens with the sterling silver kind of stuff. Il Magnifico, which I already mentioned, which is sterling silver and marble and weighs like five tons. Um, ST DuPont Space Odyssey, cool theming there. You got some Yurushi and stuff going on there as well. Sailor King of Pens, Wolf Howling in the Moonlight, the Dwight Schrute shirt pen. Yes. That thing is awesome, <laughs> but it's like covered in Yurushi lacquer. Obviously, that's very time consuming to produce. So, that type of stuff, okay. But you know what? You can look at pictures of that stuff and be like, wow, that's really cool. And you can not have it and be perfectly fine. Um, also, you get into some specialty nibs. Now, you can get a uh, sub $300 pen and get some specialty grinds on it and still be under that $300 price point. But there might be pens like the Sailor Naganata Togi. That nib is only available on the Naganata Togi pen, which is a $600 pen. So, you know, there might be certain specialty nibs that come from pen makers that push it above that $300 price point. But again, that's super specialty. Not everybody has those anyway. Not everybody even likes those specialty nibs. But, you know, there might be some opportunities that you would miss out on that. So, Honestly, up to $300, you can get steel nibs, you can get gold nibs, almost any filling mechanism that you want, you know, all brands, materials, most every, most every brand has pens in that sub $300 range, um, all but the really the most exotic stuff. So, you know, whichever you enjoy, whatever the price range, I don't think you have to feel like you're missing out on anything and you can just enjoy the heck out of it and, you know, live it up. I want to say that there was a question weeks ago during mm. another pen cast where someone asked if we'd rather have one $300 pen or like a bunch of oh, yeah. ones that add up to $300. It, right. it might not have been 300 Yeah, whatever the amount but, was. You yeah. know, I'll see if I can find that one and link that. Um, yeah. Or if anybody else remembers, you know, point that out in the comments. But mm-hmm. that, that would have been, that would be a good one to uh, kind of check out. Yeah. Uh, I think I did a little shopping list of what I would have gotten for that money. Yeah, there you go. All right. Cool. All right. I got a question for you, Drew, from Steam Dome. Hi, Brian and Drew. How about PenCast that includes brands that don't get talked about much? We all get why Pilot, Lamy, Sailor, Visconti, Twisby, and all them get a lot of attention, but I and others would like to hear about the other brands the GPC carries. So, okay. Give a little love. Spread um, it around. Well, now we don't talk about like you just mentioned we've mentioned both of these already this episode so I, I don't I didn't I looked at our website tried to find ones that we never talk about and I thought about talking about yokers or something like that like all right but you know it's not a fountain it's pen not really, yeah I mean yeah there's ones that we don't talk about as much because it's like one pen like yeah traveler's pen like it's one right pen. so so the opportunity doesn't come up as much because there's not as many new product launches or as many models or as wide of a range or whatever right so and I mean, yeah, yeah a lot of it does have to do with how many like i have a um a video coming up about um no no i did recently did a video on top pens for every brand yeah and so i put i picked 10 brands but a lot of them i only i picked just because 
there was more to talk about. Right. Like I didn't pick Aurora because we only have like one Aurora pen right, right now, yeah. you know, and or like uh, Diplomat. It's like the yeah. excellence and the and the arrow really. And so I, I picked the ones that I had like could really kind of debate in my brain about. Mm. So those do get talked about because there's just more to discuss really. So and yeah. that's what we do here is we discuss. But Brian, you recently mentioned the Space Odyssey by S.T. DuPont. I did, yeah. And I would like to mention that S.T. DuPont is a fantastic fountain pen brand that makes fantastic fountain pens. And that brand does not get mentioned a lot here because it has been a while. We had the Gold Dust pen, which was the first Mm -hmm. pen that, uh, the first new S.T. DuPont pen in quite a while. Um, Yeah, they got disrupted pretty bad with COVID. Um, They make a lot of lighters as well mm -hmm. in the cigar world, so they're splitting some of their manufacturing time between the fountain pen world and cigar lighters, which is two somewhat different worlds. Uh, but, you know, they're based out of France. France has had a lot of labor laws and issues and shutdowns and stuff like that. So it's disrupted some of their production. So they had a lot of planned launches. They got delayed. So there hasn't been as much to talk about, but they do have some stuff in the works. Um, they do. And yeah. that, that, is, that was one thing that I got excited about and I'm what makes me eager to talk about them here today is that they don't rush their production. They do take right. their time. They do have plans to come out with some new and some exciting stuff, some mm-hmm. of which we've been uh, had the opportunity to see. Mm-hmm. And I will say that they do care a lot about quality. And if you handle yeah. one of their pens, or if you happen to own one of their pens, you know what I'm talking about. These pens feel very, very well made. The attention to detail is there. The aesthetic value is absolutely there. Mm-hmm. And uh, the performance is there, honestly. And I do wish that th- the um, the feel of these pens could be conveyed in images. <sighs> that is one of the toughest things. Like, that's one of the biggest chasms that we have to try to cross is the intangibles, the tactile nature of these things. And we can talk about it because they feel they long. feel really they solid. Feel re- they feel really good. They really yeah. do. Yeah. One of my favorite things, though, is that their nib is curved in mm-hmm. such a way that it obscures the feed uh, almost completely. Yeah. So you look at it from it's the side. Pretty, it's got a pretty flat feed to begin with. Yeah, it's a pretty Between, shallow feed. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it just looks really, really nice. And they, they do use lacquer. They do mm-hmm. use a lot of um, uh, vermeil and things like that. Mm-hmm. And the quality is there. And I think that they deserve some attention if they're not already getting it from you. They're definitely worth a look. They have expensive pens for sure. They're all up there. Yeah, they're in more like the premium range. Like they're kind of like, well, I would say even more so. They really don't have any like starter pens. They're no, all but but if you're considering pushing it, yeah. if you're if you're even considering a Visconti or something in that range, consider an SD Dupont too. Like please, mm-hmm. it, you won't be disappointed. I, I I feel strongly about that. Yeah, I will say they're you know I think you know some of the Dupont is like their pens are metal. And mm-hmm. that's mostly what they do from what I've ever seen. So they're heavy, you know? So if you, if you aren't into the like slightly heavier metal kind of aesthetic, then I could see you just kind of overlooking the brand as a whole, but it's, you know, it's kind of like diplomat is similar in that respect. Like yeah. all their pens are metal, that kind of a thing, but super high quality fit and finish is supreme. I mean, so good. And like the way the cap snaps on those DuPonts is so satisfying. It really is. And if you look at, and sometimes we've had the opportunity to see some other DuPont products like their lighters and their bags and their accessories. And there is a ton of attention to detail and a ton of manufacturing care across all of their products. Mm -hmm. And they put that forth to their fountain pens as well. So definitely if you don't have that on your radar, get it there. And then this is not a pen brand, but Brian also mentioned we have an exclusive, uh, sorry, an exclusive Colorverse ink right now, which by Starlight. And overall, as far as ink brands go, 
I find it so easy to get excited about Colorverse. Mm. And when you're looking for an ink to get excited over, it can be completely overwhelming because there are so mm. many colors available. So many in choices. our in our yeah. store alone, there's like 800. And there are stores out there that have even more than we do. Oh, yeah. Like, it's a lot to process. And like, where do you even begin? Me, I begin by just looking at the names and looking at the inspiration behind them because mm. there are only so many colors out there. Even if you find a blue that you really like that has like a boring name or no story or a brand that you might not care for, you're probably going to be able to find another blue pretty darn similar to it somewhere else that does get you excited. The thing I love about Colorverse is that the story behind all of them, like there's not only just like, oh, look, this one's inspired by, you know, this city or this island. It it goes so Mm -hmm. much deeper than that. And it actually, in researching some of the things about Colorverse, it actually has taught me new things to be fascinated and blown away by Mm because almost all of it is space related or astronomy related. So I love going down that rabbit hole. And if, for example, the Voyager 1 series, the Carl Sagan's um, uh, orbiter, not orbiter, uh, anyway, spacecraft that is yeah. in deep space for like the first man-made object in deep space. Blows totally, my totally mind. Solar system, yeah. And the, you've heard that Radiolab episode with Androyan, right? I like have. that just makes you sob every time, yeah. right? The pale blue dot. Yeah. If that doesn't make you, if like her talking about her heart, her brain waves while she was thinking about Carl. Oh my God, right. recorded on a golden record that's floating out. Pa- oh my God. So, like, I just love that stuff so much. And Colorverse has a ton of that really, or just learning about the Hubble Space Telescope, all that stuff. Fascinating stories behind every one of their inks. So if you want to just get sucked in to a story behind an ink and have that sort of connection in your writing that you might use for inspiration, maybe you don't, maybe you don't care, you just want a pretty color, there are other things out there. But... Mm -hmm. If you really get jazzed about that sort of stuff and want that sort of mental inspiration while you're writing, Colorverse really helps me to do that, and it might for you as well. So, mm-hmm. Colorverse. Plus, you get lots of swag with the ink. Yes, they're they're super fun all to kinds unbox. Of stickers and little little punch napkin punch outs and all kinds of fun mm-hmm. little things. You know, I feel like you're unboxing. You know, my kids are into these. Like, well, Joseph's into Lego pretty hard, almost exclusively. Ellie has like these LOL surprise, mm-hmm. and now she's into these little food things. They're like miniature, like. Food, like grocery food items, like branded food things, and she's like all about it. Archer likes these things called Treasure X. Uh, mm. It's like this little, uh, like sometimes well, he has one that was a T Rex that had a cage over its head, yeah. and it comes with a little key that you unlock the cage, and mm. the cage comes off, and he pulls something out of his mouth, and it's a sword, and you yeah. use the sword to cut open his belly, and in the belly there's all this slime, and you pull out a little skeleton <laughs> man, and you put the hat on the skeleton man, so it's all this like. It's like this experiential right. and unboxing then, and then type of vibe. At the end of, of it, you're yeah. left with a T-Rex and a skeleton man that can ride on him. So. There you go. I, like that, That's definitely a thing these days. Yeah, it feels like Colorverse has got that kind of a vibe, that like unboxing lots of goodies and lots of surprise yeah. to go along with it. So, What about you? Pretty neat. Lesser known or lesser talked about brands. Yeah, I mean, um, we mentioned S2 DuPont and then I kind of threw in Diplomat in there too. So Diplomat was one of the brands that I have. I love the Arrow. I mean, that's definitely the standout pen of that brand. Yeah. But all of them, the fit and finish is great. Um, the excellence is one, um, especially the cap, the newer version of the cap, the A2 plus or whatever the heck it's mm-hmm. called. Just, it's so satisfying. The excellence is one of those that also suffers from that ST DuPontitis where it, it's just, if you yeah. held this pen, yeah, man, it feels the excellence is a nice pen. It is. It's definitely a sleeper. Like it just, I mean, we've, we've talked about it a bit. We've carried a few different ones. 
it's never like the pen that people gravitate to. It's in a pretty, it's a pretty like tough spot price wise. There's yeah. a lot that it's competing with that's really, really good. So I kind of get why it might get overlooked a little bit, but it's still such, such a solid pen and their quality is fantastic. So, you know, I think Diplomat, you know, gets sleeped on a little bit. I do think the arrow is, is now getting the praise, you know, more or less that it deserves. Um, but they've been trying to innovate. They've been trying to come out with some stuff, but it's, it's, it's a lot because they're doing everything out of metal as well, which is a lot of machining, a lot of precision involved there. I think that the arrow, if you haven't held it, looks uncomfortable and unruly. <laughs> and when you get it in the hand, it's not. It's it, not it feels, yeah. it, it's not cold. It's not sharp. No, it's it's smooth and and gentle, and it just doesn't look like it is, but it absolutely is. And I think that eventually, pen. as enough people got it in their hands, yeah. they're like, okay, this is actually kind of all kind of yeah. awesome. So yeah. I'm glad I am glad that it's getting some love, but yeah. the excellence for sure needs. Yeah, needs it could a it bit. could use a little more love. But um, anyway, it's a great company, and we we support what they do. Uh, and then the other one is Banu, kind of going on a completely different direction there. But Banu, you know, just because, like, the people behind it, what they've gone through, moving to Armenia, like, they're good people. And just the thoughtfulness with what they put into around their theming. And, I mean, literally, they're, like, coming up with the resins and stuff. I mean, we know from dealing with a lot of different pen companies, it's not always easy to come up with your own resins. Like, a lot of them are, you know, buying resins that companies that focus on resin are producing. And sometimes you end up with couple of different brands that end up with some pretty similar looking pens because they just happen to choose, you know, colors uh, that are, you know, similar to each other. It's a small company, company too. Yeah. Yeah. They're not a big company, but I don't know. We, and just when, when we've worked with them on the exclusives um, that we've done before, they'll like make up test batches and, and test things. And they'll be honest with us. Like, yeah, we tried to do this. We did like five different versions and it just, none of them worked out like we thought, or they'll do a test batch and they're like, yeah, we get the vision you're going for here, but it just, we couldn't get it to work. And they'll go above and beyond too. And they're they're like, yeah, oh yeah. Well, we tried to actually summon Cthulhu and pull his teeth out, but it just, he wasn't cooperating. So we couldn't get like, we couldn't yeah. get the actual teeth. We're like, wait, 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 no one asked you to do that. No, of this course is, not. Don't. This is amazing. The passion yeah. they have for it and what they put into it and then producing just such unique you know, pens that have their stamp on it. A lot of respect for what they do. And then the pens themselves, especially now, like when we first started working with them, they had a lot of pens with like the smaller number five nibs and some of the, like some didn't post and that kind of thing. And we were like, well, here's, you know, we weren't like trying to criticize anything we're doing. We're like, here's what our customers tend to really want. And they've offered a lot more of that kind of stuff. And they've grown as a brand with us at least um, as a whole. So, I mean, they've been responsive. They really appreciated the feedback of the community they respond directly to the community through like their instagram page and other places so um yeah they're just news and a lot of cool stuff they come up with some just really interesting ideas and good theming um and uh and the pens write pretty darn well too so banu is one that i think is worth uh getting some love as well so, for sure if you yeah. ever like if you look at these pens and just feel like oh no they're too loud give them a I chance mean, they are but they like they grow on you they do you know what i mean like they when do. i when we first started carrying them i was like i, I liked the um like chameleon colors, like the iridescent kind mm-hmm. of colors, but most of the ones with like glitter and luminescence and all this, I was like, whoo, this is a bit much. But now I'm like, yeah, I'm into that. <laughs> I'm into it. I know for sure <laughs> that I'll be buying one for the uh, before the end of the year. It hasn't, it's not up on the website yet, but. Mm. you So you have advanced knowledge of one that may, may or may not be coming out. I before very the end well of the year. might, but it will be mine. <laughs> Good stuff. So there you go. So we got some love. If you want to hear some love about any other specific brands, you can always ask in the comments and we'll maybe make it one of our future questions or we'll at least kind of have it on our radar so that as we're, you know, picking stuff to talk about, we can, uh, you know, keep that in mind. 
All right, Drew. All right. Next yes. up, we have uh, a question from Perfectly Mediocre. Mm. So I like the self-actualization there. Yeah. And Perfectly Mediocre asks an <laughs> extraordinary, uh, not a mediocre question. Do all extra fine nibs scratch? Mm. And I, you're right. My first bullet point literally is yes and no. I did not realize that I wrote the same mm-hmm. response to mm-hmm. the other question. Yes, you did. Well, what are you going to do? Nothing Just at being all. being honest. <laughs> Give up. Um, okay. So scratch is one of those like subjective terms. It, it is. gets thrown around a lot. So it's, it's really tough to answer this objectively because it's the term that's being used is not an objective. Yeah. You're, you're term. not wrong when you say yes and no. Well, I'm never wrong, Drew. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh my gosh. Ha! Boy, am I wrong. Uh, but this kind of thing, it's like, it's tough to be right or wrong because you could argue any side of it, right? Because it depends how you define How do you define scratchiness. scratch? Exactly. How do you define extra fine? Mm. Mm. If it says extra fine on it, I guess that would. Yes. I guess that would do it. Um, but I'll try and get a little more, a little more objective on some of this stuff. So um, I think extra fine nibs have feedback. And so sometimes scratchiness gets used as a term when really it just means feedback, you know, but or toothiness, sometimes. toothiness. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or drag, you mm-hmm. know, can also be a term used. Um, so for me, I think it's, it's beyond feedback, like to just to put some parameters, to put some, some false boundaries around it here. Like you like to do drew with yourself. I need, um, I need those. You need that. Um, so it, it, scratchiness is when it goes beyond just feedback. So when it's severe enough, it's actually like cutting into the paper or leaving like a firm indentation in the paper. I'm not saying like cutting the paper necessarily, though it could if it's severe enough. It's actually like ripping your paper. Um, but it could just be like enough where it's kind of scraping up so that the paper fibers yeah. and you get fibers that are like gathering up in between your tines. Oh, yeah. And then it kind of turns into like a felt tip. Oh, you yeah. Know, kind of a thing. It's like, yeah, that shouldn't be happening. That's definitely you get like an extra scratchy. You get your normal line and then like an extra line. Yeah, that mm. shouldn't be happening. Nah. So that's that's like very clearly scratchy. Cutting paper, removing fibers and turning it into a felt tip. That's not great. Um, or if the feedback, I would say, is inconsistent, if it feels m- scratchier in one direction or another, that's usually a sign of a misaligned tine. And, you know, often just an alignment can fix that. Or it could just be that, you know, in some of the final stages of polishing the tip of that nib, they just didn't, like, you know, just give that little nick on the inside yeah. of the the tipping uh, where the tines meet. And so it can make it easier to kind of drag. So um, that to me is one of the, like, I don't like when it's obviously cutting paper and doing crazy stuff like that, but I can, I can deal with, and I can appreciate feedback if it's consistent, but if it feels scratchier in one direction or another, and that's it's like wrong. really inconsistent, it yeah. really is bothersome. So that, that's kind of where I would call it scratchy is if any of those things are happening. Now, if it's consistent, not cutting the paper and it just feels like it's being kind of draggy in all directions equally, I wouldn't call that scratchy. I would just call that more toothy or has more feedback. Mm-hmm. And there's not anything wrong with that. That's just how they chose. You know, they basically just stopped at a finer grit or stopped at a coarser grit, I guess, and didn't continue on into finer and finer grits to polish that nib. They didn't want it to be quite as glassy smooth as it possibly could be. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's often a manufacturer's choice on what they choose to do or it's a personal preference thing. So that's kind of thing like, if that's what's going on, it's not that anything wrongs with the pen is wrong with the pen. You just might prefer it to be a little bit smoother. 
So that's where I think the term can sometimes get confusing online is when people are throwing around that term scratchy when that may or may not be the case. Yeah. To me, I often think about like if I drag my fingernails across something like that, that's doesn't feel great, but it feels it feels rough. Sure. But then if you actually like if you drag your fingernails or something like that versus mm. actually like curve them and do that, yeah. that's a very different thing. Still fingernails. To the but point a, where you like get that chatter. Yeah, exactly. Like this yeah. is going to, I'm going to like eventually, depending on what material it is, mm. potentially pull some stuff off of that. Yeah. Like if it's carpet or even paper, if I like took construction paper mm. and like clawed at it, that's yeah. very different than just dragging my fingernails across it. Yeah. Um, depending on how bad I need to cut my nails. But uh, <laughs> yeah, if you're, if you're like gouging, you know, mm. even at a even at a you know very maybe not microscopic but very minute level, that that that's that's definitely scratch. Um, mm. You're kind of you're really you're digging in, yeah. whereas you know a toothiness or a feedback is more or less like a like a sharp yeah. pencil. So I think once we can delineate what is scratchy versus what is just feedback, if I can rule out the actual scratch, and I'm just talking about kind of feedback or drag or toothiness, whatever. If we're talking about it, just it, the, the, just it that, is perfectly tuned, yeah. nothing wrong with it. So then, I would, that paper. so then I would say, will that feel different? Will you feel more resistance on that than you will on broader nibs? And the answer is yes, because it's about surface area. Um, so if you are using an extra fine nib, typically Western extra fine nibs, it, it's not it's completely consistent across all brands. There's a lot of subjectivity to it, but you're typically dealing with around a 0.4 millimeter width on the tipping. The actual line drawn on the page may be slightly less than that, maybe like 0.35 millimeters. And then depending on the ink, it could be way off than that. Too. Yeah, and the, pa- the absorbency of the paper and all that kind of stuff. There's some variability. But in general, you're dealing with about a 0.4 millimeter. So if you ever buy rollerball pens like a Pilot G2, you know, they have like, you know, fine, bold, that kind of thing. So they sell ones that are like 0.3, maybe 0.5, 0.7, 1.0 that's about what they're measuring is the the size of the ball in that roller ball. So it's not completely unlike that. So on a roller ball that you would buy, you know, there's a lot of like fine, you know, there's a lot of roller ball pens that come in different sizes where they'll actually have like a millimeter measurement on it. And, you and know, they can do that because they control the ink variable and the, yeah, uh, the ink is entirely consistent. Right. It's the same ink that's in there. They're, right. they're creating that all as one thing. Um, but that's what it's, that's what it's measuring. So, um, it's it's sort of like that. They're basically when a when a manufacturer is making its nib, they're welding on a ball that's not unlike the ball that you would see in a rollerball pen. Um, but they're welding that onto the tip, but then they're cutting the slit, they're shaping it, they're doing some other things to it. So it's a little less consistent than a rollerball. Yeah, definitely would be. doesn't stay that size. Yeah, because there's more handwork and then the way you write and the amount of pressure you use, the tines can flex and you get some variability, but more or less, you're looking at around a 0.4 millimeter for Western extra fine nibs. Japanese extra fine nibs tend to be ground a little finer, closer to like more of a 0.3 millimeter. If you think about that, 0.3 mil is a third of a millimeter. That's tiny. It's pretty small. You would think that something that could make a line like that might feel a little bit pointy. Yeah. And that's the width, generally speaking, of the entire tip. That's not even what's making because it's a somewhat of a round ball, generally speaking, in most the way most nibs are ground. So the part that's actually making contact to the paper is going to be even finer than that. Think about like your tires and how much of your tires actually touching the road versus the full width of the tire. It's kind of like that. So you're talking 
an extremely small surface area that's actually touching the paper. And if you look at paper, even under a magnifying glass or a, a jeweler's loop or something. It's fuzzy. Paper is rough looking. Yeah. Like it is not nearly as smooth as it feels to the touch. So when you get something that's that fine and you're rubbing it across something that has actually some decent texture to it, yeah, you're going to feel that more than you'd think. Plus your fingertips have some of the most like nerve endings and most sensitivity to it of almost anywhere in your body. So you are able to pick up on those slight, slight variances on a pen on paper like that more so than you could say on your elbow or something like that. So you're going to be pick up on all those fine differences. So it makes a pretty big difference going from say a broad nib, which might be closer to like 0.8 millimeters, um, you know, going to roughly a third of that size on an extra fine nib. Um, it really makes a big difference. So I would say in general, extra fine nibs, yeah, they're not going to feel as smooth. No, because the, it's just like, you know, tires going over a bump, right? If papers are the bump, you know, the wider tire, the more insignificant the bump is going to seem. Yeah. It's like riding on roller skates versus (laughs) like a scooter or a bicycle. Right. Like you're going to feel the bumps in the pavement way more with roller skates, you know, so it's that kind of thing. So you know, in general, I think that doesn't mean that, you know, you can't still vastly enjoy extra fine nibs, of course. But I think in general, lighten up your pressure because I think, you know, that's one thing I personally have had to learn. I have a little bit heavier hand. I prefer broader nibs. I want that ink to just glop on the page. You can't have that expectation with an extra fine nib. Mm. You got to just chill out, slow down, lighten up the pressure, take it easy. Just let the ink flow like it will. It's going to seem like it's dribbling out like a garden hose I, that's like... I'm all clogged up with uh, yeah. dirt or something. I don't I'm know. riding with the, the 2021 uh, Sailor uh, with extra fine on it. So yeah. this is a Japanese extra fine, and okay. I love it so much. And their nibs are a little toothier, right? They in are, general. but I don't have to put any pressure down. It just yeah. goes, and you just let it. Yeah. And you just if if it's a well tuned extra fine, and generally I, I would too. say that yeah. uh, Pilot and Sailor do it well. Um, extra fine nibs can be a little less forgiving in the tuning and alignment department they can. as well. So if it's if it's misaligned, you're going to feel it way more obviously than if that yeah. same misalignment. Let's say it's off by like you know a third of a millimeter. On that, on an extra fine, you're going to feel that misalignment way more than you were if that if it if a broad nib were that same amount misaligned. God, I can't talk. You get it. You're dealing with some incredibly fine tolerances, yeah. even on the misalignment. Like you're, you're talking almost microns, honestly, in terms of how how much of a difference it can make in the feel of it. But yeah, so I think it's totally normal, um, but it's a worthy pursuit, especially if you like those really fine nibs. Um, yeah, I think uh, you can accommodate a little bit. All right. Last one we got here. We have a special guest for this one, Drew. We do. We got a question from the Trail Tog, and mm. the Trail Tog asks, "How about a deep dive on Urushi finishes?" And while mm. we definitely could do that, the two of us, we could. Um, we I know that uh, my friend Andrew, who is uh, Pen Friends UK on Instagram, mm-hmm. Pen Friends on YouTube, uh, is a huge fan of Urushi, and not only has purchased many of them but is really fascinated by the ins and outs the types of styles and even has tried his hand at creating some urushi art at some point so he has a perspective just based on that that mm-hmm. brian and i a don't have and b never will because one of us i will never be working in urushi no because <laughs> <laughs> i'm allergic to it yeah so 
Uh, Andrew does have a unique insight and perspective, and I thought that he might enjoy sharing it with us today, and uh, he most certainly was. So Hmm. uh, with that, and this is a very deep dive, so if you are curious about... It's not just me, folks. No, it's not just you. Uh, (laughs) So if you're curious about Urushi, Andrew will get down deep into it. Um, But uh, if you're not, then we have chapter markers. But (laughs) uh, I'll turn this over to Andrew now, and I'll let him take it away. Thank you, Andrew. Well, Brian and Drew, thank you so much for that fantastic introduction. So, yes, my name is Andrew, and I am a lover of Arushi and Maquillet. Now, it's not solely on fountain pens. I have started this year to explore beyond fountain pens, but I digress. What we're going to be having a look at today in this little miniature deep dive is not just this box, although this box is very beautiful. We're going to be looking at some of the pens in this box, as well as doing a bit of a video overlay and helping to demystify and clarify this liquid form of gold being Arushi and Maquillet. So without rambling on too much, please do enjoy coming over to the table with me where we'll do a little bit of um, mindfulness in uh, the form of doing some drawing. And for those which are obviously listening to this Goulet Pens um, pencast, I would really strongly urge you in your own time to head over to Goulet Pens and perhaps take a gander at today's little deep dive because obviously Arushi and Maquillet, although I will convey it with audio, you're not going to really truly appreciate it unless you are actually watching this. So without further ado, please join me over at the table. So I was asked by Drew a few weeks ago to answer a few questions and to help demystify some of the ancient art forms of Arushi and Maquillet. Now, Arushi is a vast topic and there are certainly people which are more qualified to talk about this than I. However, I do have a very deep passion for this liquid form of gold. Now, during my talk today, I will be offering some pictures and video overlay. So if you're listening to this, I would really highly recommend actually checking out Goulet Pen's podcast on YouTube. So please do go over and have a look because I feel that you're going to be missing out on some visual treats. Now, the truly spectacular aspect of Arushi, beyond its obvious charms, is its durability. There are really fine examples of lacquering that date back to 740 BC and probably beyond, which offer some really exceptional clarity. So, yeah, I mean, this is certainly going to be one of those sort of art forms which, if you invest in a fountain pen, will certainly last millennia, most likely, if well treated and looked after. But uh, maybe a little bit more about that later on. So to truly answer this question on Arushi, I'm going to split this into some subtopics, trying to keep the writing instruments at the forefront. But due to the sheer vastness of this technique, I will concentrate really on Japan alone. Now, just a quick disclaimer before I start, there are many countries throughout the Far East that practice a form of lacquering using the same sap of the Toxicondendrum venicicillum. Sorry if I'm butchering that. My pronunciation is probably completely off. Anyway, so I'm going to be focusing on Japan today, uh, mainly because this is where a lot of listeners will be familiar with. But I do implore you to check out some of the most beautiful inlaid work from Vietnam and Korea. It really is truly spectacular. And there are some really fantastic upcoming Arushi and Maquillet artists from those regions. 
Now, when it comes to the application of lacquer, different prefectures in Japan offer different unique ways of applying. Today I'm going to be focusing on Tsukuru and Wajima. I hope I pronunciated that correctly. But anyway, these regions are probably what you'll most commonly see adapted to fountain pens. Now before continuing, I will stress that most fountain pens are worked in the style of, rather than being considered true regional specific in their techniques. Why? Well simply put, lacquering follows very stringent rules and as such is highly protected. This can come down to the substrate in which the lacquer is applied, which is most commonly wood. Well we're going to begin our journey in Wajima. Wajima Nuri, or Wajima Nuri style, uh, which I think is probably more applicable for most applications, Nuri, essentially meaning painting, can be most commonly found on sailor fountain pens and certain pens from Nakaya, or Nakaya, as they say in Japan. The Wajima Akinbo Nuri is a particular pen that highlights the prevalent finishing techniques that can be found throughout the Wajima region. The gradations of red and blacks can be found on many popular objects such as soup bowls and plates. In my research, I've read that there can be 75 to 130 handmade steps in this process just to completing a bowl. Now, in regards to a pen, this will be significantly less as one does not need to worry about the cloth layers, which some do it, it's not necessary. Now that part really is there to help support the substrate of the wood and to give it a bit of rigidity. Okay, in Wajima you will typically see a more of a factory process of creation and it's very unlikely you will see just one person alone completing a lacquer piece. Within the studio you'll have various people in charge of different making processes such as the base layer, middle layers, finishing layers, polishing and maquillage. It's believed that each layer will be completed near to perfection and that really is their mantra, mastering one part and not all. So now let's talk about a few techniques. In this section I'm going to be talking and showcasing a few of my fountain pens and conveying some of the beauty of maquillage as well that deploys the Sisuguru technique. Again apologies for any mispronunciations, Japanese is quite hard to pronounce believe it or not. Firstly, we're going to have a look at Hira Makie. Now, Hira Makie is a beautiful method and one in which the design is painted in a flat style. Now, some pens will be completely flat, whereas some may have a little texture, as shown here on my Namiki Yukari Kusadama herb decoration. Specifically, looking at the flowers, leaves and ribbons, you might notice a ever so slight relief. Now, obviously for listeners, you can't really convey this, so again, I would like to implore you to check out uh, this pencast video on Goulet pens, just so you can see this. But uh, for those which uh, want to go and have a look at some of these fantastic techniques, go and check out Namiki's website, which will have a fantastic array of pens, as well as Goulet pens. I promise this isn't a... Uh, a product placement video. <laughs> anyway, this technique dates back to around about 749, or sorry, 794 AD in the Hainan period, which certainly makes this one of the oldest techniques in Japan when it comes to makie in mind. Interestingly, although we see many styles used in conjunction today, the evolution of makie certainly seems to favour more developmental styles, the more lavish the better, which brings me nicely on to Takemakie. I think the expression is go big or go home, and I feel that certainly applies here. 
takemaki in a nutshell involves the artist layering up lacquer which is mixed with either charcoal dust or clay dust to create a raised relief and then gold powders would be sprinkled on top or silver powders to create the uh, sort of shininess so to speak in turn this gives the object a dimension beyond that of hiramakie in later periods of japan's history this was a style favored by more by the the wealthier sectors of their culture and some of the royalty if you're watching this video format then you'll notice the relief here on this nakaya ascending dragon in jinbakashi which offers quite a nice subtle relief and obviously is quite a shiny pen okay now i will note that at this point no method is really superior from one another they are all utilized to express a story and different techniques will be used to emphasize on that specific element lastly we will chat about raiden this is perhaps the most requested well-known and well-loved form of lacquering abalone shell is placed in a decorative form with black arushi then being used brought up and to cover the surface next hours of burnishing will take place and it's true to say makie is in general in around about 80 percent sanding 20 percent skill in actually applying um and in japan this is known as sharpening where you will essentially just keep polishing layer after layer after layer until you get to your final piece so this really is a very laborious aspect but speaking from personal experience as one who has tried my hand at doing a little bit of arushi i can say i actually kind of find it therapeutic uh, just polishing away for hours and hours you can sort of find it as like a mindfulness exercise if anything else <laughs> anyway um the real fun aspect really is when you get to the polishing stages where you've got your final piece and you then have a really nice shiny object at the end so for any audio listeners the pieces which i've been featuring in this section have been the namiki yukari herb decoration and the iboya hakabone in kinbakashi togodashi and raden by yukari mochizuki who is an upcoming artist on instagram for the discipline of makie so i would certainly implore you to go and check out her work and if you're watching this video i'll leave obviously her details in the description on the video as well as hopefully brian and drew leaving uh, yukari's work in the description down below okay so i mentioned a little bit earlier on about suguru suguru is a region in the emori um, prefecture and houses one of the most distinctive styles in japan just like wajima nuri to be called tsuguru nuri the artwork must be completed on a wooden substrate and i believe also it must be completed within the region within tsuguru there are four disciplines karanuri nanakanuri monshanuri and nishiki nuri today we'll be having a look at karanuri karanuri basically translates to unique and as named so because the patterns in which they applied do give a unique finish every single time and from each piece they will of course vary a special palette knife with circles cut out is used to formulate the patterns and can take several layers to complete this will of course depend on the substrate a wooden piece will take on to somewhere about 40 steps to complete whereas ebonite or plastics are less 
All in all, the application of coloured lacquers can vary and include metallic powders as featured on my Pilot Custom 912 by Pokemondo. Well, I could obviously speak on forever and ever, but before we actually turkey hammock the heck out of this section, I'm just going to talk a little bit about screen printing before I shut up and go away. Okay, so screen printing and maquillage. It's an interesting combination and one which can create a little bit of divide amongst popular opinions. Now, there'll be thousands of people out there which will be, you know, championing screen printing and they absolutely should okay there's nothing wrong with screen printing whatsoever let's take this into consideration your namiki your pilots your platinum take your pick it doesn't matter which they produce pens in the hundreds or thousands now you couldn't have artists painstakingly painting every single one of those pens for the volume in which they're created it would be absolutely impossible so Yes, screen printing is a necessity from that perspective. You know, from that manufacturing perspective, you have to have screen printing. It's unavoidable. However, however, one little point of contention. I just wish that the marketing material was a little bit more transparent about the actual making process of some of these fountain pens because there are people out there which are possibly looking for a hand-painted piece and in which they are receiving something which is screen printed. Now, that could cause disappointment for that person and maybe a bit of a distaste for those companies. So that's just a little bit of a, a point of contention. But anyway, rant over. Screen printing is necessary, okay? Because ultimately, at the end of the day, to replicate that same design for thousands and thousands of pens, it would be just completely cost inhibitive. You just would not be able to do it at all. Okay. Right, so that just about wraps it up. I want to thank you ever so much for listening uh, to my rants, and I want to thank Brian and Drew for kindly inviting me onto the show once again. All right. Well, that was that. I hope you enjoyed that. I I learned more uh, from Andrew that I, I had not previously known. And I did want to clarify one thing, though, and to his point toward the end of his segment where he mm-hmm. mentioned the screen printing like he said, it's a mystery as to how much one <laughs> brand or another brand employs the use of screen printing. In in some cases, I'm sure that they use them as some some sort of a, like a sketch or baseline to you know then put yeah. art on top of that, just so that they can maintain consistency. Mm-hmm. But also to Andrew's point, you can pretty much guarantee that the more expensive the pen the less automation there is and the more handwork there is mm-hmm. and the fewer people there are working on that handwork. Yeah. And uh, it's all relative and you'll see that scale up in price. I view it as like putting a, a grid line underneath the page that you're writing on to give you straight lines. It's right. like you're still seeing the actual work that was created there. Right. If everybody was freehanding it, then you... I mean, that's that's all well and good, but it's going to look probably less consistent. Right. And, that, and Andrew, <laughs> Andrew made that point. You know, if, if, if that were the case and not everybody was at that exact same skill level of consistency, then you're going to get people like, oh, well, who did that one? Oh, oh I, have a, I have a Brian Goulet. Oh, I just have a Drew Brown. Like, oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you know? Is this assuming that I've done it better than yes. you in this case yes. okay i don't know um, if that would be the case but, but yeah. uh you know and they, they don't they don't want that they want them all to be consistent so the point is they are they are handmade to some extent or another mm-hmm. and they are beautiful and there's yeah. nothing else like it and uh they're not getting 
there aren't more people every day. Well, maybe there are more people every day working on Arushi, but uh, no idea. It's, it's still a precious art form that is you know worthy of these prices. They're not arbitrary for sure. And if you want a deeper dive, I did a video a couple of years ago. Um, focusing specifically on Namiki Makie techniques. So uh, check that one out. It's from 2016. Uh, you can learn more about the specific techniques that Namiki is using and gives a little more context into some of the pens that you'll actually like see on our site. So yeah, you can check that one out. We'll link to it in the description. All right. All right. We're kind of, uh, well, we're going to merge a little bit. We got a tip of the week for you. And then we got a pen spotlight. All right, this week's tip of the week. We're going to kind of blend the tip of the week into the pen yeah. spotlight because it's all kind of Twisby stuff. But um, this one, you know, we talked about this before. We have some videos on it, but it seems like we can never talk about it too much. Disassembling and reassembling a Twisby pen. A Twisby piston, yes. A Twisby piston. I got an Eco here. The so Cerule- do I. Cerulean Eco. Well, Mine's I, plain clear. Uh, yay, boring old pen. But we can use them both. I got new hotness over here. All right. I have not even opened this up. <gasps> Well, check it out. Um, I'm going the little, to. Where's the little Huda What's It? Excuse me. Get the Huda What's It. And I've got a Twisby wrench here. Oh, so do I in my brand new box. Well, you think you do. You need to confirm that. I'm positive. Ooh. I have faith in Twisby that they include Ooh, the products knows. that they are supposed to. All right. So oh, my gosh, Brian. What, do you think that the red cabochon in here is the same exact plastic as the wrench? Uh, I bet it is. Probably. Look at that. Is that like a revelation to you? I don't know. I just never, I never thought about it. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, it's like not like a whatever. I guess it's never really been something to think about. Okay. Oh, don't act like you already knew that. I don't know. You hadn't thought about that. Think about it every day, Drew. Express your surprise. All day, every day. Wow, Drew, that's That's amazing. Yeah, I come up with this (laughs) stuff, man. Oh, oh, you're just going to crowd in no, here. No, no, okay. no, 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 so, A, you don't need to disassemble these a lot, okay? Um, Maybe you don't. The, there is silicone you your, grease. You clean your pens on a regular basis. There, oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, there is grease included, and oh, but just because there is grease in there. Let's, let's look at that blue. There we go. What's up, grease? That's pretty. Just because there's grease in there doesn't mean you need to use it anytime soon. I've never had to lubricate any of my Twisby parts before. I have. You have you have you though? Have you really had to? Yeah. Or have you just done it? I've done it. Okay. Well, I mean, if I'm already disassembling the pen and I'm all right, well, my, it my, out th- and all my that. thing is that you don't really have to. Like, <clears throat> I think it depends often. on the ink and depends if you've got ink that's dried up in the pen. It definitely benefits from a recreasing. But but, but, but oh, okay. So you're talking about the okay. So you're talking like about the just the gasket, the piston seal. Okay, gotcha. yeah, the okay. gasket mostly. But while I'm at it, I'll throw a little bit. Not so I don't use the personally. I don't use the Twisby no, stuff it's too, it's too so much. Wet. It's very liquidy, it's too juicy, which is good. Which is is fine for the the seal the in, in there because it's yeah. the double walled seal. So you just get a little bit of this grease inside of there, and uh, it's going to hold for quite some time. Yeah, and especially if you're not disassembling the pen, it's going to last a really right. long time. But my point is, you don't have to grease it up as soon as you get it. You don't even need to take it apart as soon as you get it. Mm. Um, and a True. lot of the times, I know that is that a pretty blue. blue is, that is a pretty blue. Mm. 
Golly, that does look mm. really good. Right? Is that your pen? Yeah. That's going to be yours. Mm. It's a broad. That is real nice. Broad. I just broad. Said I said it weird. <laughs> so when people disassemble the Twisby, they can usually get it back together. But the thing is, sometimes they get it back together in such a way that this, this piston... like Who knows where that thing's going to end up, right? Oh, right. Yeah, so this piston will actually stop prematurely. And that's because... Let's see. This part right here, this knob, actually hits the barrel before the piston hits the back of this. You ideally Mm -hmm. want this to come in contact with the barrel right there at the end. You do not want this. Sorry, I'm probably not making myself clear. You don't want the gasket to hit this black part before the knob becomes tight with the barrel. That's what you don't want. So Brian's already got one disassembled there. I do. So go ahead and disassemble that completely and so, get, get that piston out of there, like well, the, the rod. Yeah, so what I did, I so I you sort of have to put the piston down when you remove it to be able to get the wrench in there because the cap goes up a little bit as the piston rod goes down, right? Mm-hmm. So you sort of have to do that. But if you do it like all the way, then the issue is this thing drops out. Right. And that's where you can sort of get into trouble. So if you have this thing just kind of like lightly pop out if you don't unscrew this thing anymore you can just put it right back in and then twist it back down and you're probably fine you probably probably haven't you know reset it but the the issue is because you have these threads on the piston here it can set itself in multiple places so if i screw this thing down further and i set it back in here then what's going to happen is i'm going to screw this thing down all the way and it's going to run out of it's going to run out of uh, room. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to end up where this piston is not going to go all the way back up. And to try and find the right spot to where it hits in there is a little tricky. And I think that's where most people get Right. So on. I just took mine apart. So it's in it's still in the same position here. Yeah. So the knob is coming into contact with this housing. And there's still some space in between the piston, just a seal, bit. and that. Just it's a little bit. It's like a magical but, but amount you, of space. You, you want, yes, exactly. You want a tiny, tiny little bit of space there. Because yeah. otherwise, this piston is going to stay all wobbly and loose when you try to put your pen back together. Right. So if you've got this thing all apart, oh no, I need to start from square one. This guy goes into there, this thing, there. Starts threading on. And then this, you put it in there so and there start like threading. A, is there like a specific technique that you have for setting that when when it's completely disassembled like that? Yeah. For getting it in the right spot so um, that you can like just nail it and get it right in there? Not, 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 a, I can't always do it the first time every time. Okay. So, like right now, you can see what I'm talking about. Right here, you see that the uh, seal is hitting and there's still some space left. Mm-hmm. There's still some space left between the knob and this primary ring here. That is not what we want because that would, that's gonna mean that this knob, once I put it on the pen, it's still going to have some play, and we don't want that. We want it nice and solid. So that means I need to take it apart and try again. So what I'll do is I'll eject this completely, give this a few more turns outward, and then insert and try again. Oh, no, sorry. I meant inward. Ignore me. Take it down a couple notches. What I like to do... I don't understand how this is so confusing for everybody. So what I like to do is my secret (laughs) little spot, Brian, is Uh basically I take this, and I screw it down right until those little um, wrench notches show up. So if, yeah, you, if, okay. you look, if you look at these, if you look at this unit, you've got flat spots 
Mm-hmm. You've got flat spots here, which yeah. you, you can see kind of highlighted on the light there, mm-hmm. and then round spots. Yeah. If you take this and you thread it down right to where it like hits those round parts, n- not quite to those, a little bit above those. Yeah. Like You'll right, get pretty darn right about there. That's usually what works for me. And I find if you, if you have a hard time seeing that too, you can actually just take the wrench. And you can put the wrench on there. See, that was perfect for me. See how yeah. there's a, just a tiny, tiny little bit of space there? Mm-hmm. That's going to be That's perfect. what you want. That's, what, That's you want. what you want to see. If you So what I, what I found, so I do a slightly different technique. If I have it set um, where the knob is too far down, and which means the piston's not going to go up enough all the way. So like there, I've got too much of a gap. Um, the technique that I use to kind of fix that, rather than fully removing the thing, is if I just kind of hold it on the end a little bit and I unscrew it and hold it in place and I'm putting just a little bit of pressure towards the mechanism, what's going to happen is it's going to kind of click. So what's happening is as I've unthreaded this, essentially it has continued to go out and then it's dropped back into sort of the next notch. So now it's going to go in like one thread further. See, I didn't do it enough, so I'm going to do it again. So I'm pushing in the piston a little bit. And I can see right here it's about to go. So it gives a little bit of a click, and then I set it in like that again. There you go. See, that's not even that's not quite. That, that, that's enough. fine. Honestly, that's how they that's come when you buy good. them new. Okay, so this is this would be acceptable. Yeah, absolutely acceptable. All right. Because really, how much? How many times do you get a one hundred percent full fill anyway? Yeah, I mean, there's there's almost you know close to two milliliter ink capacity on these things. Yeah, you're gonna be fine. So as long as you're getting somewhere in that ballpark, you're gonna be just fine. Exactly. Me and personally, I change my colors anyway, so I, <laughs> I'm never getting like a fully maximized fill. And before you put it in, you do need to, like even if you got like, hey, look, it's perfect. You do need to open Switch the knob a little bit just so you can get your wrench back in there. Yeah. And you insert. But you don't wanna go too much because then your piston will fall out and then you'll be right at square one again. Right. So then that's the real test. Oh yeah, see, that was perfect. So by the time I actually install it in there, the thing is right up at the top where it needs to be. So there's two. There's, ah! Come on, Drew. I did that. Things. I did. I did that when we uh, when we had our race, Brian. Remember that? I do remember that. I flung my wrench. That's right. Who won that race again? I you did. Yeah. Why you do remember? <laughs> yeah. So like that's perfect. Yeah. So that's a good spot. What happens if you have it too far out? Um, then when you go to install the thing, oh, did I? Okay, I didn't do it wrong enough. Mm-hmm. I'm just just too used to just nailing it, Drew. I guess. <laughs> no, not really. Okay, so if I have it, if I have it in there, and it's first off, it's going to be harder to set in because I'm going to have to unscrew it a bit to even get that wrench in there. But then let's see here, which direction is it? Oh boy, see, I think I, I think I actually dropped it, it out a little there bit more. Oh, sorry. Used to you uh, having your hands in here. I'm gone. So what are you trying to say? I was trying to have it give an example of like what it looks like when it's in the wrong way. See, I actually, oh, see this, this happens sometimes too. Yep, one thing you can do there is uh, you can pull the nib and feed out and you can use a blunt tip syringe or if you have the Twisby pipe, you can shove it out through the other end or you can just grab it with the uh, unit like Brian's yeah, about to do. Yeah, so if you, if you take it on here, don't have the wrench on there and then you just kind of th- get it to the point where you can thread on a little bit which is probably easier said than You can actually disassemble that a little bit, Brian, and use oh, yeah? use that very, very oh, inner piece. Right. That's what you need to do. Okay. But Pull see, now we're that, like that one dissecting right there. the whole yeah. thing. That one can go in there and grab it. Okay. So that that just threads on here. Yep. And then I can you just pull it out. Pull it yep. Out. Yep. Hey, but we're demonstrating because that's a thing. We that can indeed. happen. Yeah. So anyway, 
the thing is, it's a $30 pen, right? This thing, even the more expensive ones at $50, $60, like the 580s and stuff. It's still not that expensive a pen. And honestly, it's kind of hard to do so much damage on this that you like can't make the pen usable again. Yeah. So you I'm just a big, you I'm definitely big don't want to over tighten them. though, because they can crack if you over tighten them. Yeah. You, so you don't want to do any damage there. You don't want to force anything. No. But personally, I like to just kind of mess around and just do this. See what I've done here, I've actually set it in too far. So you've got a little bit of play. So my knob is not actually seating all the way onto the back of right. the pen. Right. Yep. That's what so you don't want. If it's if it's too set in there, so I would need to take this out right. and do it. But again, again, nothing bad is going to happen. Your pen no. is still going to function just fine. I'm a big proponent of like just take the pen, take it apart, mess around with it, put it back together. The better you understand how these things work, the more you're going to be able to use the pen and enjoy it. So I don't think it's a pen that you should be afraid of. They have instructions in there. We have videos, maybe not is you know, and again, you, you don't have one, to do but... this all the time. You really, you <laughs> really don't. If you maintain yeah. your pen, not like Brian, you shouldn't have to do this. Yeah, if you clean your pens <laughs> any more frequently than <laughs> I do, then you'll probably be in good shape. Aspire to be like Drew, not like me. But you know, what are you going to do? They're Ecos. Also, Eco is one of Rachel's favorite pens, and she likes. So to you have to clean a lot of these. I bet. I have yes. I have sat down and done like a ten Eco oh, God. pen cleaning no. session in one sitting. Oh. Yeah, so you'd think I'd be a lot better at assembling than these, but hey, look, you know, it just goes to show that even if you do this more often than not, um, you can still, it still takes a little bit of time. But, you know, it's uh, you're just getting to know your pen better. Oh, look at that. I just made it worse. Oh, no. I definitely can't talk and do it at the same time. <laughs> so, okay, so there you go. There's an example of even worse. It's like, not, I mean, All right. you get maximum incapacity That's on there. That's true, maximum but incapacity. But now my knob is like not even close to touching. No, and it's just like, that. okay, we're just going to like set that aside <laughs> and uh, carry on to our next... Our next topic, which is the pen spotlight. All right, pen spotlight. Hey. We're not going to talk about this super in depth, but I just took my pen on the road, so to speak. On so the road. We're kind of transitioning a little bit into the what's happening here as well, because I'm going to talk about where I was last sure, week and sure, why sure, we didn't sure, do sure. a pen cast. So I was at a uh, conference for e-commerce folks. So networking with other e-commerce business owners. Um, it was like a regional thing. So I went down to Charlotte, North Carolina which is about a five-hour drive from here. It was one of those things where, like, I could have flown, but Ooh. by the time I go to the airport and go through security, and then I fly, and then there's delays, and you're just sitting on a plane. Five hours is my max for driving. I don't want to drive any more than five hours. I'm with you, yeah. But it was, like, it was a multi-day conference, so it was, like, I was driving one day, and all I, you know, and I was going to be driving back on a several days later, so I don't know. I found it to be fine. Like, I was actually good. I haven't driven that far by myself in a long time like a long time and I was fine there's no traffic there's no traffic from Richmond to Charlotte either it was great so anyway I'm used to driving like DC all the time because that's where Rachel's parents live <laughs> I've had like almost five hour drives there but it's just traffic and it's awful that's not that's a very different five hours a five hours driving 100 miles is way worse than five hours driving like 300 miles 100% so anyway uh, at this conference so I brought two pens with me I brought the Long 2000 which I always talk about and I brought the 580 ALR Prussian Blue. There we go. Um, it's back. That pen is just awesome. I love that pen. I like, so for me, Twisby pens are great for when I'm taking a pen to a place, especially like a networking type thing where I'm talking to other business people because inevitably I'm absolutely going to be talking about what I do and having a sample of what we sell in my pocket is super convenient. Um, and plus people just naturally see me taking notes as I'm, you know, listening to people talk and stuff like that. So, um, I do 
think about that in terms of the presentation and you know people are going to want to see the pen and use it and all that because and you and the twisby has been your choice of, in the past for this reason too i've kind of like honed it over time because mm-hmm. like the lamy 2000 i carry it and people are just like it's it's like a stealth pen mm-hmm. like people don't really think about it or look it at it or whatever fountain pen yeah exactly so the twisby eco screams fountain yeah it's, it's loud yeah i like the lamy 2000 for when i'm at like bigger conferences and stuff right. where I'm not networking a lot because it's a great writing pen and it doesn't stand out so it doesn't look like hey I'm a really nice pen right. steal Notice me. me oh also yeah. that yeah yeah I don't want to lose it or steal it or whatever so um but the Twisby you know it's a little flashier and you get to, it's the clear barrel and you get to see the ink sloshing around it's got lots of clear parts so when I'm showing people like oh like a fountain pen the old school you fill it with the ink and all that kind of stuff people are like oh okay and then I pull it out and they're like Oh, they, they see immediately, the ink. They a, see you can see the whole thing when it's in, a demonstrator, it, yeah. right? Um, and then you know the 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 five eighty like the ALs or the ALRs. It's got a pop of color when it's like all clear like that. If you're into fountain pens, you know what's going on. But somebody that's not, they're like, "What's happening here?" Like I'm seeing too many parts, right? You know, it's like if you're driving a car and like every component was clear, you'd be like, "What is all this stuff happening underneath?" This? Right? You know, it can be overwhelming. Like, yeah, so. Um, I, I did like it for that. So huge ink capacity. I, in, in that 580 LR, I had, uh, inked it up with Colorverse Butterfly Nebula. Really? Yeah. That's new for you. I had a bottle of it at home and I had all my typical blues and other things. Actually, I mean, I've got all kinds of like, uh, I got a lot of chroma shading inks, you know, because there's been some that have come out recently mm-hmm. and I just have a bunch of them at home. So yep. I picked up some of those too, but um, I don't know. That one I was like, yeah, you know what? Twisby, big barrel, got yeah. some glitter going on. Great for glitter. Multi-tonal iridescent type stuff happening. I got to say, this is one of my favorite inks that I've had like in the pen. Like the look of it in the pen sloshing around. You got the glitter action, which is like this beautiful silvery, almost like a purpley gray kind of um, shimmer to it. But then the ink itself is like iridescent in the barrel of the pen. I remember seeing the bottle for the first time and just like I couldn't stop sloshing around the bottle. It's really cool. It looks really wild. Now, I will say on paper, it actually was a little light. So I wanted to use it because typically I don't use like glittery ink and, and chromo shading type stuff for like work conference type notes. Yeah. Um, you know, partly because like, if I'm running into people and I'm like trying to show them what fountain pens are and what fountain pen ink is, it's just, it's kind of a lot to explain to people like, Oh yeah, it's got this like chroma shading shimmering, whatever. And they're like, what? So that's what you mean when you say terms. That's what you mean when you say you've dialed it in because you, you want specific things to be able to, you want some things to highlight the coolness of fountain pens, but you don't want to overwhelm them. I don't want to, yeah. You don't want to make it seem overly complicated. Yeah. Like here's a bunch of things that you, like, I don't want to ostracize people by throwing a bunch of just terminology and things, you know? So I've, I've over the years, I mean, obviously I talk about pens for a living here in videos and stuff like that. But then when I'm talking to people in person and I have very different, like elevator pitch style, right? It's a group of a whole bunch of people and you're mingling and you're going around and you're talking to people you got to kind of hit the high points you right. Know, right away. So you keep things simple so that you can just kind of nail it. Because, so do you keep you know, a simple nib size too usually? Yeah, I usually go with a, like a fine or an extra fine, something like that. So you mainly chose the 580 mm-hmm. because it had enough transparency so that people would understand how it functions, yeah. but not too, fun- not too much transparency mm-hmm. so that people would get confused by the function. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Yeah. And large ink capacity, so you can take plenty of notes. Yep. I don't have. I didn't even bring any extra ink with me because I was like, 
It's like a two day conference. I'm not taking notes all day. You know, I knew I'd take probably a few pages of notes. I had that plus a backup pen. I'm fine. So didn't have to worry about re-inking or anything like that. So with that incapacity, I know, I mean, I could probably write for a solid week or two just on one filling on a pen like that. And so the 580, as well as you know all the Twisbees, they cap super well, so you don't need to they really do. worry about drying out too. Although yeah. with a shimmer ink, you do mm. you are throwing in a variable there, but did it still stay my, pretty, pretty wet? My experience with the Twisbees, because you get two things going on. You get the insert on that cap, mm-hmm. plus they have an O-ring at the base of the grip that seals the cap even further. So, I mean, I remember when Emerald of Shavor first came out, when it first came out, I had gotten a Twisby Eco, which was also pretty new at that time. I inked up a Twisby Eco with Emerald of Shavor, which is a shimmering ink. Mm-hmm. And I did not touch that pen for like eight solid months. And I remember it was kind of a thing. Like it just kind of happened. It had been like a month. And I was like, I wonder what happens if I just leave it longer, you know? And I just left it and left it and left it. And, it, and like eight months had gone by. I picked it up. Wrote right away, no problem whatsoever. What? So I'm not going to say like every pen, every ink can do that, but it, that sure, was enough to tell me I'm like sure everything yeah, settled though, right? Like, oh, of course, yeah. But it still wrote despite that. Yeah, not a drop of it had dried out. Wow. And I picked it up, and the feed was still wet. I thought for sure like I would have some crustiness going on. I thought there would be something, but no, it was just that's a, that's a sheen. And I just like left it out. Too. I didn't do anything special. Yeah, it's a Ooh. sheener. It's got some shimmer. It's got Damn. all kinds of stuff. So that's impressive. It seals really, really well. It really does. So Swissbees are great for that. Now, after, you know, having that pen as your kind of one of your primary writers, did you remember yeah. to agitate it frequently? How, how did that work? Well, and, I mean, I just kind of wrote with it, but yeah, I wanted to agitate it just because it looked cool and I was like wanting to do it. But I mean, so that ink in particular, right. the, the, gl- the glitter falls out of suspension in like 10 seconds. It's super fast. It's insane. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of it in there, but I think there's still plenty of it in suspension that like hasn't fallen out completely. So I'm not like sitting there shaking the pen the whole time. I'm just like, okay. That's the thing I have a lot of problems with. Like even Mm. with a Twisby that you really can be confident in its flow and its consistency and not having it clogged. Yeah. I I just, I, I, if I'm using a shimmer ink, I want it to shimmer all the way through. I don't want it just to shimmer a ton when I ink it up and then I'm left with nothing because I already already used it all up. Mm. So I'm like trying to get down a routine of agitation um mm. i do it a lot in my personal life i want to do it in my writing um just kidding i don't i find you quite agitating Drew. I, that's what i was getting at but i don't think it hit <laughs> thank you yeah. um so i don't know if i'm like a writing um, i've tried writing and twisting and i've tried like write do do a flip and then write again and then okay do one of those nothing does that make a difference though like the ink's already in the feed you know what i mean it is but 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 it but then like you get an even amount going into the feed next. I don't know. Like I'd doesn't love to know actually, if, if anybody else. Make an objective difference though. I don't really. I don't genuinely like, don't if, know. If, but if if you shake it and then start writing with it, just the gravity is going to pull all the shimmer down toward the feed. Sure. And then you're going to be writing with that, and you're yeah. going to exhaust all of your shimmer, and you're going to be left with just plain old boring ink. I don't know. Does anybody have a good way to have constant agitation? You know what I need? I need one of those like, I need some one of those like uh, metal like globes like those hmm. that you have in like shake uh protein shake bottles oh but that's not gonna i need it to move by itself and yeah self-agitating mm. 
piston pin. They, just use that for with like, they use that with like magnets when they're mixing stuff in scientific labs. Mm. So you I need like a, need a have centrifuge like, fountain pen. You need like a handheld centrifuge that you can hold in your hand as you're writing that spins a little. Or like the button is at the grip section. So every time I hold the grip section, it just. I don't think any of this is that necessary. I think you just write with the pen. Fountain pens aren't necessary, Brian. Well. But here we are. I don't know. Fountain pen podcasts certainly aren't necessary. It depends how you define necessary. <laughs> Yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, man. All right, centrifuge anyway. pen for shimmer inks. I enjoyed, I think. See, I that, think, that's what I think I, you're jumping the shark there, Drew. I forgot who mentioned it. Like, that, that's what I would come up with if I'm like, if you if you want to know what a Drew pen would look like. Uh, okay. Um, that That's what I want. I want a self-agitating shimmer pen. Wow. And it's going to cost $12 million uh. because... This is impossible technology you're trying to put in a pen. There's got to be a solution out there somewhere. <laughs> I think you could just maybe choose a different ink that doesn't have as much glitter that like falls out oh, of it. The, the challenge <laughs> is attractive to me. Okay. Objectively, I don't know. Like, do you need to agitate it that much? You definitely do when you're filling it. Like, you, well, can't you just have said all it settles in ten seconds. Of course, you need to I agitate know, it. I know, but I don't know. It's like whatever. You just said, I know, I know, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I clearly I don't know what I'm talking about, and we should move on. But anyway. So I had a really good experience carrying around my, my Twisby. Um, it's a great pen for taking around to like conference type things. Um, so yeah. And then it wasn't, it wasn't like another thing. So if I take around a really nice pen, that can be another ostracizing thing because people already think that pen, fountain pens can be like a status type thing and be like inaccessible, like a luxury item. Were you wearing your cargo shorts? Yeah, I was. Actually. Well, then you should have been fine. What are you trying to say, Jerome? <laughs> I was wearing a, I think I wore my like Nintendo 64 t-shirt as well. Excellent. So excellent. It's an e-commerce crowd. So it's a different, it's a different crowd. Like everybody's, I think you're everybody's just wearing fine. like, it looks like everybody pretty much rolled out of bed and went to this thing. <laughs> That's amazing. But yet they're all like business owners like me. So it's just great. I love, I love it. You're like my people. people. Yeah. Quite literally. That's amazing. Yeah. And they've all that got makes like, me really happy. I don't yeah, know why. They've all got everything going on. They're all, they're just as chaotic as just as sleep deprived. Yeah. And... Oh yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. One, one of the key takeaways I pulled away from the conference, this is diverting a little bit. Um, oh, maybe I'll save it for the what's happening section, okay. but I'm going to forget it. So I'll save it now. I'll say it now. <laughs> one of the guys that was there was this really cool, really eccentric guy. Um, but he said that, uh, you know, basically you think of like, oh, you know, you see somebody who's driving like a really nice car, you know, or like a, a Tesla. Teslas are cool, right? Love to have that Tesla. And he's like, well, people that drive Teslas, like they have Tesla problems. Like they, they are dealing with problems related to where they're at, you know? So it's like if somebody lives in one type of house or situation, they have their house problems. Mm -hmm. You know, if you run your own business, you have running a business problems. If you have kids, you have kid problems. If you have pet, you have pet problems. And so it was kind of interesting because obviously when you get a bunch of business owners who are stressed out talking to each other, having COVID and all these other things could be an opportunity to like pity party and complain and that kind of stuff. But you think about it like, oh, I just have like running a business during COVID problems. I don't know. I found that oddly comforting. Just like yeah. framing it up like, well, everybody has problems, but you're choosing the problems that you have based on your situation. Yeah, that's true. Maybe it's not always your choice, but there's no, you know, there's no problem proof car it. or there's no problem proof yeah. house. Or there's no like, you're not going to avoid problems by getting into some different thing or some different situation. Yeah. You're just going to have that situation's problems. 100%. So it's kind of funny. Yeah, that's well yeah. said. I'll get more context about that if I remember it in the what's happening section. But we're going to wrap up the pen spotlight and we're going to start the nonsense turkey hammock section of what's happening. 
All right, what is happening? Let's see. What is happening? Let me let me find my notes about what was. You happening. got some notes? Oh, that's right. Okay, so I don't last, understand your notes at all. You, you got time. some context to give, my friend. <laughs> I don't know what's gonna, what's going on. Well, I need to keep you guessing. I'm not gonna just. You need to be just as oblivious as our viewers. Mm. Um, so I did watch a film, a movie film on my. Quest 2, right. formerly known as the Oculus. We set that up. We had our mental health half day. That's right. And you so, were thinking about watching a movie? I did. Well, since I, honestly, the fact that I said it in the pencast kind of led me to yeah, go ahead and do it. You, so got I'm some, like, you know what? Some public accountability. It was, it was here. a little bit. So okay, okay. I did it, sat down on the love sack, put the headphones on. I was like, all right, let's just do this. Totally absorbed. Um, I did find that I can't lean all the way back because while the headphones are on my ear, there's a little bit kind of past the ear. So I kind of, I could, yeah. lean, I could lean straight back, but I couldn't even to the right or left at all. So I was just like kind of straight back. So that wasn't super comfortable. Yeah. Like having a bunch of stuff on your head. Yeah. To me, just I did. I could have, I probably, the, uh, the, the, the quest has <laughs> a speaker on it that like shoots into your ear. Like, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a directional, directional speakers hmm. that go very close to your. So okay. actually, I probably should have done that in retrospect. Oh, uh, okay. It's not like there was any other noise. Oh, coming. not like headphones, but it's just like yeah. speakers. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Um, hmm. It actually works really well, but hmm. I, so I should have done that and not done the headphones in retrospect. But anyway, I watched Star Trek Into Darkness, the uh, second one from the okay. newer series with Chris Pine that. and yeah, yeah. Uh, Zachary Quinto. I heard they're pretty decent. Oh, they're very right? good. Yeah. Yeah. Good? So this is okay. the second one with Benedict Cumberbatch. Okay. Um, it's kind of a remake of Wrath of Khan from the 80s. Okay. Uh, but anyway, I was like, let me watch something that looks really cool. And yeah. I wasn't blown away. Uh, really? So the lenses are not, I don't think it's like a, it's not a 4K display or anything like that. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, you start off and it's everything's all bright and you're in a theater made out of cardboard because it's, it's, you're watching on Amazon Prime. That's their whole gimmick on the Quest. Um, and cardboard? Then, what does that have to do with it? Well, because they ship cardboard, I guess. I don't know. Why Box, do they think like that? Boxes. I don't why know. Why do they think that makes for a good visual aesthetic? It's, it's, it's <laughs> like creatively colored and decorated cardboard, like a cardboard. Anyway. And then the light. You can do better Amazon. I know. But it, it, after you kind of start the movie, everything goes black and you're all of a sudden in a theater with like, you know, you see the track lighting and stuff like that. So it's, it's a pretty okay. cool experience. Okay. But the thing was, I was looking at the subjects, you know, Spock and Kirk and. Uh, if you're looking straight at them, it looks really good. But if I'm looking at like peripheral, mm. like you, you would have like a, a, a faint yellow highlight around this side of your face. And But then mm. I'd look at it and you'd be fine. But then I'm like, oh, no, nope, yellow highlight over here. So oh, interesting. it was fine, but. Because it's like faking your periphery, right? Yeah. So like it it will move in relation to your it head movement. Yeah, it was kind of like. It wasn't 3D, so nothing okay. was like coming at you. You were just watching right. a big movie. So it was fine. I'm not going to be doing it again, Interesting. though. That like, feels like 3D TV. Remember? And that was like a thing. Yeah. I think one day it might be there, um, but not not right now. I'd rather j- – and mm. also I can't snack as easily. I need to be able to snack and drink my coffee and shove things into my Yeah. How do you stuff. like find your mouth if you're trying to drink coffee or something? There is one – like with, with the headset, you can go – double tap and then it, it has cameras on the front of the headset that you can actually see around you so you can get to what this, you need if you want like we're trying to solve a problem that doesn't exist yeah i'm not gonna be technology doing it. it's it's <laughs> for now it's gonna be just for games but i did try it it was interesting mm. won't be doing it again um so this is drew's foray into the metaverse here yeah yeah well he asked me to create an avatar i'm like now give me the games oh yeah see they want you to they want you to get in there that's fine they see everything that's oh. what it is um, Think of how much hair you could give yourself in there, though, or like you could 
you know? I would, if I could give myself any hair, I would give myself Kurt Russell's mullet from Tango and Cash. Oh, that's solid. Magnificent. Mm. Like a lion's mane. I keep trying to convince Rachel because I think if I grew my hair out, that's kind of what I would end oh, up yeah. with. Oh, yeah. You'd, you'd have to feather it a like little bit. Mel Gibson lethal weapon type hair. I would have so much more respect for you. Patrick you Swayze. That. Absolutely. You know, in the 80s. I would have that going on. The finest. I'm like, Rachel, I should do this before I can't do it anymore because I'm not getting any younger. The hair is going to, the hair is not, it's not coming in any thicker. Well, if it gets more gray, you could go Sam Elliott and Roadhouse. Have that majesty happening. We're not selling this for Rachel. Let me tell you. The more, the more gray it goes, the less she's going to be supportive of the the long hair. She's never supported the long hair. No, no long hair, no beards. Not for this guy. Right. Not happening. Um, So, and then... I don't know if I told you this, but we had a a, a wedding photo shoot that we did. Did yeah, I tell you about that? Yeah. So, so our friends Josh and Jeffrey, they were they got married in 2020, but they weren't mm-hmm. able to have a wedding because of like it was like 2020. In, yeah, yeah, the like throws. Yes, no vaccines, nothing. Right, yeah. exactly. So their ceremony got canceled. They got everything <laughs> refunded, but their photographer, sticks, yeah. I believe, was non refundable. So they actually. Because Shannon and I, mm. Shannon and I, were not super thrilled with our wedding photography back in 2008 because mm. we didn't have a lot of money to put into our wedding. Well, that was a weird um, time too. Like digital photography was not as like yeah, it was before Instagram too. So we're like, ah, eh, well, it was an awkward time to get married. Yeah, but they were like, hey, you know what? How about you have our photographer and get like a really really nice set of. Uh, wedding photos done 14 years after your actual wedding. So we were like, yeah, right. it's okay. So. Uh, it was kept on getting delayed and delayed and delayed, but finally mm. it happened. I found a suit, she found a dress, and we got those done uh, uh, last awesome. weekend. And it was really, really amazing. The photographer was really, really good, and just him showing us some pictures on the on the viewfinder of his camera, like they're gonna be really nice. It was really kind of special because we went back mm. to the place where we got married, yeah. and you know it had changed a little bit, it better better looking than it was when we were oh, um, that's good. in two thousand eight. And it's not like condemned and no, 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 and stuff. <laughs> it looked, no, thankfully not. But so that looked neat. And it was just really interesting being there with her 14 years after the wedding. Uh, we'd been living together for 17, but um, 14 years since we got married. And then uh, mm. us just sitting there looking at each other, wearing nicer things than we were wearing when we got married, having a better photographer than we had when we got married. And then looking behind the photographer and seeing an eight-year-old playing on his tablet against a tree. Like, oh my gosh, like we're... Where what is what is happening? Like that's it's just weird, it was, yeah, it was a really, wild like it was really wild but yeah. really special, really cool. <laughs> and um yeah, it was it was a very it was a nice experience. That's cool. Um unrelated, we had also had a friend who is a photographer and she does every year like short mini sessions of family photography. Hmm, okay. So it just happened to be that we were we did that too. So we had two different things. This one with Archer. So it was okay. like a short family thing. We just went over to um, Crump Park uh, oh, yeah. against an old building or something like that. So nice. no, nothing like super fancy there. But we had two um, two photo shoots. So wow. that's like that's like the Christmas card one probably. Yeah. Uh, but Rachel uh, and I talk about doing those Christmas cards, and we never do. Like we didn't last year. Yeah. Um, even though we did get photos done, uh, it just mm. didn't happen. And previous years like it's so last minute Mm. so it always we just always barely do it we didn't last year um and then we went to a play a musical um from the movie mean girls so with Lindsay lohan tina Tina fey oh uh, Uh, okay that's a guilty pleasure i love that movie it's a great movie i love that movie so they have a musical i didn't know that Um, i mean why not it's it was i feel like they've musicalized a lot of things. It was things. so good. <laughs> yeah? Yes. Yeah, so 
uh, we saw it at Altria, and mm-hmm. the background was 100% LED displays. So wow. if they wanted to change location, it just, like you're in a school, and then you're out in the park, and then you're in another building, in a house, wow. bedroom, and they had flats, but the flats were LED panels. So they'd Whoa, move this crazy. flat over here, and it represented a bed, and then it was the craziest thing. Wow. Like even if some, if a character wanted to have like a vision or like a dream or just a thought, they could have this dream. The whole background would change, and then they'd snap out of the dream, and then it would come back, Whoa. and they'd finish their thought. Like it was like watching a movie That's crazy. because they were able to change it on the fly like that. So it kept my attention really, really well, hmm. and the songs were super catchy. And in a weird way, I liked it better than I liked Hamilton because I had listened to Hamilton so much. Right. I was like crazy about it. Me and my wife yeah, were just like, oh, Hamilton, yeah. Hamilton, Hamilton. Yeah. I had a bootleg from the Broadway show in New York with the original cast. And when I finally saw it live, I was like, okay. Yeah, it wasn't as good as the original, you know. Oh. But that was because I just had it in my head. This one, mm. I didn't even know a Mean Girls musical existed. So I'm just like, all right, Mean Girls, I guess. Expectations I, I, I kind of remember yeah. that movie. Yeah. But yeah, it, so it surpassed my expectations. <laughs> But it was it was a lot of fun. So we did that this past weekend. Neat. Um, and then this one you're gonna have to explain to me. I don't. Well, understand I this. purposely left this one vague because it's it's, it's 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 crazy. So Shannon got an allergy test. You know, with the back and the arm just getting oh, yeah, poked done, all the time. I've done the, done the prick oh test yeah, so she's that. allergic to everything. Uh, <laughs> no surprise Gosh. there, um, including dogs. We oh, found no. that out, oh, which no. we have we have two. Of course, that's not going to change anything. She'll she'll you know cough her head off before she'll get rid of dogs. Yeah. Um, so we found that out yesterday. Um, she texted me all this information and then no fewer than like an hour and a half goes by. She texts me another thing saying that our dog, Felix, who is a, you know, seven month old puppy, almost eight month old. Um, his dad is available for adoption. Uh, we met his dad when we picked up Felix, um, you know, months ago, and he was super sweet, super adorable. Reminded me of my first dog, Ollie. Mm. And Shannon's like, "Hey, how about how about Hank?" Oh my gosh! I was like, uh, a third dog. You just really? found out that you're allergic to dogs, and you're literally saying, "Hey, how about another dog?" So she must really love dogs. She does. Yes, with she. So you'll get another dog Saturday. Oh my gosh. <laughs> How old is this dog? Is He's this only three. He's only three. Okay, wow. So they can really like get right to it, huh? Yeah, yeah. And, and so he's being retired as a stud or whatever. I don't know how, how that works. But okay. Okay. Um, the, the breeder was like really picky about hmm. where he's going to go because okay. she really loves him. And mm. But uh, she said that she would really knock down the price if he went to a house that has one of his puppies there. So it was... Too good to say no to. Wow. And so. Oh my gosh, you're going to have three in one, dogs. In one day, in hours. Like all of a sudden, like with Felix, we she spent a year saving up. Oh, yeah. And then months more like planning. I'm like, oh, we chose, we saw pictures of him every week as he yeah. grew up to be, you know, an age that we could take him. And then now all of a sudden, like in a matter of hours, we're like, okay, now we have Felix's dad, Hank. Wow. Like, okay. Hank. Hank. Right. Yep. Hank. <laughs> And he's a thick boy, too. He was like a really? log with stumps. Well, he's been busy, I guess. I mean, he's just... I don't know how all that works, but... I, I remember you know. seeing him, and he's just like, just a lot of dog, just a loaf. Just, hardy. Yeah, he's a hardy Maybe boy. that's what Felix is going to turn into. I think he is. Like, he's he's already bigger than our other dog. have a couple of loafy 
<laughs> yep, <laughs> a couple of loafy, loafy corgis. So I'm doing that Saturday. Uh, they're, they're all a little loafy anyway. She's like, but. the the lady's like four hours away in southwest Virginia. So. Oh, wow. So it's like a trip. And I think I'm just going to do it by myself. Mm. Like we thought like we could take both dogs and the kid, but – Oh my gosh, or, that sounds like a lot. Or get somebody to come like watch the dogs, but like it's just not worth it. So yeah. I'm just gonna solo it. Wow. If you didn't already know, I have about 20 discs of Game of Thrones to listen to. So <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> I'll be, you got plenty of material. I'll be fine. But busy. yes, yes. Uh, wow. Third dog, third so corgi. In finding out that she's allergic to these dogs her within first, hours. Her first reaction was within to go out hours. And get more dogs. It yeah. just happened. Wow. It just happened, and must be worth it. Yeah. So I mean, wow. D- Dinah, our other dog, is. Uh, 11 so and we lost okay. our first dog ollie at age 12 so yeah so it's so it's like we'd like to have a companion for felix and you know we don't sure. have it so many years with dinah so getting a three-year-old i realized dinah was 11 already i know i know it's crazy she's in great shape so she might last a while longer hopefully okay. but right. uh yeah wow i have yet to kind of wrap my head around it but saturday morning i'm getting up and going as if you don't have enough dog hair on everything you own. Now I it's know. just going to be worse. Well, we we started we started really <laughs> encouraging Archer to um, Swiffer for um, okay. for for points because you know he's on a ten point system. Oh, every, okay. every ten points, we'll get him a ten dollar prize at go. Target or ten or or usually fifteen dollars cash. But he never chooses cash. He'll always choose the toy. Okay, fair enough. So hopefully we can get him kind of Swiffer in even more. You need to attach some Swiffers to the bottom of his feet. So as he walks around, he's just constantly swiffering that's not a bad idea <laughs> so yeah wow. that's 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 my world I mean, right now that works out sometimes huh <gasps> yeah corgis wow three of them three wow all right fair enough well i don't have anything that exciting going on in my house but i can talk about it a little bit um so i was traveling last week that's right um in addition to going to my conference uh since it took place in charlotte that's also where uh, Coles of London is based, which is um, our distributor for St. Dupont and Visconti, and uh, we've been in we've been working with them since 2016, 2015, something like that. It's been a while, so that was pretty cool to get to actually go down and see their space. Yeah, I always thought they were closer. I thought Charlotte was. It's about a five-hour drive. Hours, man, yeah, I didn't it's know it was in that like the away. it's in like the western part of oh, North Carolina. Okay, so it's like two hours for us from Richmond here to get to North Carolina. And then, you know, it's like three hours to go to Raleigh. So yeah. you're like sort of going there and then it's like two hours west basically oh, wow. of that. So it was a, it was a bit, it was yeah, a bit of a hike. Yeah. So I went down like early Tuesday morning. Uh, thankfully I was able to, I had this trip and I, because I was driving, this is part of why I wanted to drive instead of fly. I wanted the flexibility in my schedule with Coles to be able to either go on the front end of my trip or on the tail end of my trip. Cause it was like a Tuesday through Thursday kind of a deal. Mm. So it's like you know, Tuesday night through Thursday, basically. So I could either have like stayed longer on Friday and then drove back after meeting with them or drive down early on Tuesday and meet with them before the conference started. Right. So it worked out better for them. They were all there on Tuesday. So I went down and uh, met them for lunch, got to hang out in their office a little bit, got to see some samples of some new things that are going to be coming out, which is pretty sweet. Can't share a lot of that, but uh yeah, it was cool. They got a nice little spot, got to meet some of their folks, which is funny because like we deal with P 
people over email and, you know, whatnot, phone and these types of things and business relationships. But I mean, literally like five, six, seven years. Was everybody there? Was never met John and Mark and Michael? Not everybody was there. I don't think I've ever seen John, Mark and Michael physically in the same spot all at once. I don't know. I don't know about that. But Mark and Michael were there. Okay. So I hung out with them for the most part and got to meet a bunch of their other folks that were there. So, um, yeah, it's like a nice little spot. It's kind of cool. You know, basically everybody that has a business where you ship products, you look at the shelves and you're like, Oh, I know what you line product code that <laughs> probably is. You know, it's like similar type of operation, but right. nice clean facility. They got a really nice spot. They have like, they're in a, you know, we're in like an office park and they're also in an office type park, but like across the street from their place is like this giant field. And there were like kids having soccer practice and stuff like that out there it was like all wooded mature and stuff like that. Charlotte, you know, have you, have you been to Charlotte no, before? No, no, never. It feels almost exactly like Richmond. Uh-huh. Like such a similar type of city. So it's like I was driving around there and I was like, I literally feel like I'm driving around Richmond. So now very familiar. Now, when we first picked up Visconti, Coles was not in Charlotte, were they? I think they were. They were? I think so. Always? I think they moved facilities maybe at some point, but they were always be, been okay, I'm probably getting them confused with luxury brands then. I think so. Luxury brands has moved, yeah. I know they moved. also in North Carolina. I thought that. Yeah, no, okay. I think Kohl's has been there the whole okay. time. Okay, so. cool. Anyway, they don't have a huge place, but um, you know it has everything that they need. And yeah, they got a good spot. So I got nice. a nice lunch and yeah, it was cool. Very cool. So that was nice. And then that kind of kicked off my whole trip. So I like drove down five hours didn't even stop. No bathroom, nothing. Just drove straight down there. For five hours? Yeah. Same thing on the way back, too. No breaks. Why? Just, I wanted to get there. I wanted to trip, to, you know. So were you, like, willing away any natural urges or? No, I mean, I can, I don't know. I got a, I got a pretty solid tank if I need to hold it in there or whatever. Man, no, no I'm, I like, are, you, are you not drinking constantly? Oh, no, I'm drinking, like, water and everything. So like, you're just... <clears throat> Five hours. Yeah, five hours. Yeah, I think five hours. I would have needed to stop like three times. Well, I drink, I, I drink a lot of coffee on I, the road. I've never known my potential because I've had children for twelve plus years. <laughs> five hours. I have never been in the never seat. driven alive. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's fine. It's a little boring, but you know, throw, tee up some podcasts and oh yeah, you okay. know, catch up on whatever, listen to whatever the heck music I want. Um, now it was cool because. I was going by myself. Normally, when we go anywhere as a family, we're taking the family car. But I don't know. We talked about this a little bit in the pencast here. I put a subwoofer in my car. Oh, uh, during COVID, that was my that was my semi, you know, uh, um, reasonable midlife crisis. Like, so your bladder was probably <laughs> actually being compressed being by compressed by all the bass. Yeah, that I was probably that's, that's that's the thing. Yeah, so I I had my vehicle. And it's, yeah, I drive like a black car with black interior. It's a, it looks like an Uber vehicle, basically, like an Uber <laughs> black. So I have this SUV and I've got this big subwoofer from the back. So like as I drove down there, of course, I, I was fine. But then when I was down there, a lot of people, other people like flew in and stuff like that. So I ended up being kind of like a de facto. I was like, don't call an Uber. Let's just all like drive to the next place. Right. It was like 10 minutes to get to each spot that we were going to. Plus, I get to spend more time networking with people. But that was kind of like the the thing was the base and it was straight up like, you know, the only songs that I really know that have good bass are like the ones that I listened to in like high school and early college. So I'm listening to a bunch of like, you know, like early 2000s like, stuff. Yeah, like Fast and Furious nice. songs. Oh my and, God. You know, ja Rule so were you like, were you like, and, you know, oh stuff God. like that. That's yeah. amazing. Jay Z. Oh, that's like amazing. Yeah. So um, nothing thumping, wrong with that at all. Thumping away. Um, so were you like showing off 
the subwoofer to these guys. Oh yeah. So oh, this is like legit a high school flashback. Like I guess really check, check out my We're sub. We're a bunch of like midlife, you know, families <laughs> and running businesses and stuff. But if we're like thumping out oh my god to like party rock that by funny. lmfao you know oh that my kind of god. stuff that is <laughs> just, magical it's just ridiculous that stuff. is magical like in the city just blasting out so that was that was a lot of fun that is that something else so yeah nice little preview there anyway so got to do that that was kind of cool um so i went to this conference thing it was great you know it's like i, I you know we talk about how you're like pretty introverted and i'm not like super extroverted but i think i'm i'm more extroverted than i ever realized because I have an older sister who's much more extroverted. So I always right. thought of myself more as the introvert. Well, compared to her. Uh, yeah. But when I go to like, and and now like being with Rachel so long too, she's definitely an introvert. Like she will get together with like our extended family for a couple hours and she needs to like take a nap afterwards. It like drains her so much to be just around people and small talking and stuff like that. Whereas me, I get like excited and I get more pumped up. You know what I mean? So it's like, no. I walk around our office and I'm like, Oh, I got a meeting in five minutes. And then I have like five conversations with people and I'm See, 10 I, minutes late. And I'm I, like, I, I do Whoops. that here, but like at functions and stuff, yeah. I'm, I'm more like Rachel. I don't take a nap, but I need to sit down and play some video games. See, I'll do that a little bit too. Like if I'm in line with somebody at like the, if I'm getting like a spare tire put on or something like that, I'm like asking them about their family oh God, and no, like small talking and stuff like that. Like I'm genuinely interested in just people and what they got going on. I so. am, but I need to be approached first. I'm not, Fair enough. I don't Fair enough. get out there. I've like acquired that more over time just as I've talked to so many people and done the pinches and the networking. Like I'm just, I don't know. I got more of a reservoir. I guess I'm more practiced at like the small talk and that kind of thing, but I do get some energy from it. So, um, I don't know. That's kind of fun. So just talking to people and it was good because, you know, just the general vibe, you know, for those of you who have, you know, been alive for the last couple of years, COVID has been tough kind of on everybody. And now we got like a bunch of economic craziness going on and interest rates and inflation and all the things, so there's definitely like some stresses going on. And if you own a business too, it creates all kinds of challenges. Yeah, I have to think around that, that while pen shows exist for mm-hmm. us to validate our interest, be like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone in this mm-hmm. crazy obsession. Look at all the people. Yeah. For you, you don't get to on a regular basis, other than Rachel, yeah. to talk about people who kind of know what you're going through as as a business owner. Yeah. Like it's not every day yeah. you get to actually talk about your life to someone who gets it. Sure. It definitely like, you know, the challenges that, you know, somebody in like Rachel and I's situation face, it's unique. Very. You know, it's, it's very, you know, obviously we can go to pen shows and talk to people about pens and it's great. You know, that, that facet of what I've got going on in my life is like very full. Sure, sure. And, and I am, am feeling very good about that. But there's all kinds of stuff just with running a business and you were dealing with all kinds of just various sales tax regulations and that kind of stuff is always changing. And like all of the not super fun stuff about just the logistics of running a business and just general uncertainties about algorithm changes on social media and stuff's not performing quite as well. And so the traffic to the website is down and so expecting sales and all these types of things, you know, it's all this behind the scenes stuff that I have to be mired in and pay attention to to run a good business, you know, that kind of stuff gets more challenging to like talk to other people. So that's why I like to go into these yeah. networking type things is because you can talk to people and get perspective on things. Right. And know you're not alone. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, this isn't just me. Yeah. But these are like other e-commerce business owners who sell equally weird and obscure things like we do. Like one guy I met sells um, high-end toilet seats. That's it. His whole business is selling toilet seats. Not bidets, not toilets, just toilet seats. And I was like, 
So there's like a market for just specifically high-end toilet seats. He's like, yep. And I can get all into details of it, but yeah. So that's his specialty. <laughs> that's going to be our next deep dive. Yeah. Somebody else was from the Netherlands and they sell baby seat covers. So like, you know, babies get sick and they have accidents and spill food and stuff like that in like a car seat, oh, or, car a, seat. or a stroller or something oh, okay. like that. Okay. Gotcha. So like infants and whatnot. So it's like a cover that goes over that. So if they make a mess, you just pull out the cover and wash it and put it back kind of a yeah. thing. And I was like, oh, that's genius. That way if they barf and just say like, that. all right, finish. And then I'm going to clean up, but just keep on exactly. going. Exactly. Get it all out. Exactly. So just... Very entrepreneurial thing. Just people who see a problem that want to fix it and just got to find enough people scattered throughout the world online that are into the thing that they're working on. They're out there. Yeah. Somebody else sells like crochet kits. So they package together like crochet starter kits for people that want to learn to crochet. I really vibed with them because I was like, there's like a little bit of overlap in the fountain pen and like the knitting and crocheting oh, yeah. world. Definitely. You know, still tactile, a little bit, you know, kind of old school, a lot of education based when, kind of stuff. When you did your segment about how to disassemble a Lamy converter, mm-hmm. I remember somebody in the comments said, you know what? Because remember you were having a hard time hooking that yeah, thing out. You yeah. know what someone said? Crochet hook. Crochet hook. Yeah, yep. exactly. So, you know, there's people like that that I got to meet that aren't like in our world, so to speak, but are connected to some of what we do in a whole different way. You know, somebody else produces a lot of video contents, but they sell beads like for making necklaces and and bracelets and that kind of a thing. So I got to talk to them about like live content and how they use that. And, you know, so it's like, I don't know, just got lots of interesting ideas, lots of kindred spirits, um, which was kind of cool. So um, also, you know, there's like fun events that they try to plan at these types of events. If you've ever been to like any type of corporate networking conference, whatever type thing, sometimes they try and plan these things. Um, so I got to, there's a, um, Olympic whitewater rafting and like kayaking training center in Charlotte or just outside of Charlotte. So it's like a man-made river basically where you get to do like whitewater rafting and stuff and you have a guide and all that kind of stuff. So I'd never been whitewater rafting. Um, and so yeah, got please to tell me you have pictures the first of this. time. I wasn't, I'm, I literally like didn't even have my phone on me. Cause you're like, you could easily like flip out of the boat and float down this. Did you thing. bring like equipment knowing you were going to do this? No, you like rent all the stuff there. But like so they, clothing like, and stuff. Like I brought a bathing suit. Okay. So yeah. you knew you were going to do I knew I was going to do it. Yeah. yeah. They told us. How to you didn't it. tell me this, Brian. I didn't tell you it. No, I didn't. <sighs> so I got to do that. It was just pretty cool. All right. Was it, was it like a, like, you know, you see these little tiny, like training pools that are like basically a tub that has current in it that just recycles. No, it was a river. It was like a, so it was a long, like you, you were, yeah. you were making forward motion. Yeah. I'll have some pictures to throw on here. Okay. Which well, maybe I can just pull good. Actually, All right. I want to no, see. It's like a whole straight up river. Okay. okay. So like I'll put some pictures. Actually Cause like they, they the have like demo spots, like thing. where you like, you know, that thing that we did that, that surfing simulator that we did one time. Right. Like right. It, it was actually water, but you weren't going anywhere. So this wasn't that. Like no, it wasn't was a stationary like, thing. It was like a <gasps> river. What? Like a giant like su- like swimming pool base type thing with rocks in it and it was creating whitewater rapids. And they can like adjust the flow of the water. Like it was like class 4 rapids that we were on. That is amazing. Yeah. I want to go to there. Yeah. So you can see there it's like the whole facility pretty neat and that's and open to like the public different courses i think i mean yeah you gotta like pay and stuff oh. but yeah yeah you go they have guides all the time they send people all the time so yeah because i would love sometimes. to do because i've like i love kayaking but i've never wanted to do anything risky because right i don't know not a, it's not a controlled environment and i mean this is about as know, controlled as you can get people people die in the james river all the time over here yeah well um, you know it's it's water water is very powerful but yeah oh. got to do. and there are lots of people yakking in this thing too i like kayaking. to yak yeah you can bring your kayak down well, there and I, go do I, some stuff i've been known to yak 
There were people like there time. were people that were on these like class four and class five rapids. Then when they really cranked it up, there were people on there on like stand up paddle boards going down these rapids. And I was like, what is wrong with you people? But they were doing it. They were like eating like eating it every single time. <laughs> but they were de- determined to try. And I was like, these I mean, people are crazy. You see people doing like skateboard level acrobatics with razor scooters yeah, so I'm like why, why, not? why not especially if you like live near there or whatever it's yeah. just your thing and another thing i got to do drew are you afraid of heights do you like heights uh i don't i'm not generally bothered by them no okay so another thing they had at this little facility they had like a zip line and stuff like that so this giant tower mm-hmm. with the zip line but also this thing where you could just be in a harness and you were just attached to like a rope and mm-hmm. you just walk off the ledge no and just drop no so it's equivalent to walking off of like a twelve-story building, Mm-mm. and I was like, I want to do that. Mm-mm. See, I would. Le- I thought. I thought you were about to say I repelled. I'm like, great. I would love to repel. Repelling is fun. Yeah. See, there's like, that's not me. That's another no. guy doing nope. it. Just dropping down. Mm-mm. I love it. Mm-mm. Yeah. So no, I did no, that. no, no. I need to be in control. If I'm up, no, no control on this. You're see, just. Like, dr- you're literally. I was. I had a moment on there because I've done like roller coasters where you just kind of drop and stuff like that, and I was wearing this harness. And you're just like on this ledge, 160 feet in the air. And you're like, I know I'm attached to this rope or whatever. And you're like, I'm just going to walk off this ledge. <laughs> and I did it. No. And I screamed like I was a five-year-old kid. <laughs> I had it. Everybody else was like pretty quiet. But I like, <laughs> I was so excited and just filled with joy. I don't know. I guess like as you get older, it's just like, when do you really just get to like, feel like you're a kid and just like completely just let loose and let go yeah that feeling of free fall like when i ride a roller coaster that really has like a lot of that airtime kind of feel you forget you're talking to the one guy that's probably skipped around the office in the past week yeah that's true so, you feel yeah, that on a regular I basis don't really. but, I don't but know, it takes more to get that feeling for me these days yeah. and so i did it and it just that's like, amazing i'm very that, that actually fe- that fills me with with joy was, for you but it's pretty fun no i like <laughs> if i'm like up a really tall ladder that's fine i'm in control my grip like, I know what I can do, and I'm only, I'm not going to lose control. Like, death grip. Mm. Repelling's the same way. Like, mm. you know, as long as... You're pretty in control, repelling. Yeah, exactly. I'm, fi- I'm fine with that. That, where I'm just jumping and hoping just jumping. that... jumping, mm-hmm. yeah. And, like, I weigh, I weighed more, too, than most everybody. So, I, I watched a bunch of other people go down, and I went down faster than they did. <laughs> so, I really got a good sense of free fall. It was pretty fun. <sighs> no, 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 blast. no. Blast. No bungee jumping, Loving. no skydiving. Ah, I would totally do that. No, not in control. I wouldn't just because like the written, not something probably wouldn't happen with something like that. But if it did, it would be catastrophic. Do we have something in like the business's contract where you're not allowed to do certain things? Because we might no, need to I talk do whatever about. I want. Oh God, I run well, my own business. So I insure myself to whatever degree. I'm going to talk to Rachel about. I got that. good life insurance, so my family would be well taken care I don't of think that's financially. If I something happened to me, but. I'm, I'm, there are other people <laughs> that might not be in oh, such a great yeah. shape if you plummet to your doom doing something silly, Brian. You'd be fine. I'm not. That, I'm not that essential here. I will weaken. I will weaken that Bernie's you for this pen cast. I will. Don't think I won't. <laughs> you will really have some sunglasses on. I have my sunglasses on right a now. A fedora. I would, I would that, yeah. And I'll be like, oh look, hey everybody, it's Brian Goodway. <laughs> I like new pens. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yes and no. <laughs> it depends. <laughs> yep. Is Brian alive? It depends. Uh, <laughs> what is life? Well, oh, I can God. see a me and a weekend at Bernie's meme right now oh, forming. Man. Yep. Um, yeah. So that was fun. Good. Remember. I'm glad. 
so that, that was not the majority of the trip, but it was definitely right. more notable and, you know, it's something I can actually talk about. Um, and then I, I, I did some stuff. I built some stuff. So I'll have to show you these pictures, too. Um, so my, my mailbox, you know, it's got like the wooden posts and all that kind of stuff, you know, that your mailbox yeah, is stand, on. standard stuff. Yeah. It's super old and it was like rotting out and stuff like that. And I was like, ah, I want to replace that thing. Bought the lumber like, I don't know, nine months ago and it's just been sitting there. So I was like, I just, probably not in the best shape anymore. No, it's fine. Oh, it's it, was, fine. it was probably in the fancy shed then. It was actually outside. <gasps> it was just chilling outside. Oh. It was still fine. It's pressure treated lumber and it's oh, fine. Okay. It's partially covered, but whatever. Anyway. So I was like, okay, I'm going to replace that thing. And I saw a YouTube video of somebody that made um shelf bracket this is so random but this is what i do on youtube mm-hmm. somebody that made shelf brackets their own shelf bra- and i'm welding again uh, as you know in the pencast so somebody that made shelf brackets and they took rebar and they bent it to basically be like twisted up kind of like a knot and that was sort of like the angled part of the shelf bracket it'll make more sense when i show you the picture but uh anyway i just thought that was cool and i wanted to try it oh so like it instead of just angling like a right angle it yeah. knotted and whoop so that, that's what's going on. Oh, that's not what I was thinking of. So it kind of looks like a rope because it's rebar and it's right. got like the ribs on it. But it's it's metal that I bent and like interlocked it into itself. Oh, wow. So it gets kind of this cool oh, that like is reef cool. knot type of effect, right? Yeah. But it's metal, so it's really sturdy. So I like welded it on and made it into a bracket. And then I put that onto my mailbox post as like the brackety part. It looks like rope almost. Mailbox, right? Isn't that cool? That is cool. So I thought that was kind of neat. So yeah, that's what I did. I built a new mailbox post. That is not, I've seen, I've seen some like self-made mailbox stands before and they generally don't look they great. Look, yeah, they like, look all you, crazy you, looking. You've been yeah. in the country parts of our area before. Oh, there's plenty of that stuff around. Like they're yeah. made, they're made of like the giant, like, tow cable chains with the hook on the end right and um, i did look i did google them a little bit because i was like it's an opportunity that for me looks, to do something that looks classy yeah so there's like the final thing set in place like it looks that, nice, that right? actually looks really classy yeah. dude yeah that's well that's really well so that done. was kind of fun i was like i want something that i can practice welding that you know it's not like in my living room that i gotta stare at it every day but you know when i drive by and look at my mailbox i'm like I, I, did that. That. Yeah. I did that yeah that, that, cool. that, that's swanky i yeah. thought about you the other day i was uh, on instagram it popped up something um uh, like a TV tray that's just a U-shaped, you know, mm-hmm. ha- half rectangle yeah. that you can set up as a tray in front of your couch, mm-hmm. like wood with that with the bra- with the with the joint that just does that, mm-hmm. whatever yeah. you call that, finger joints. There yeah. you go, finger joints. Um, and but it was the same measurement uh, that you could either sit in it with your legs through it and have a TV tray, or you could lay it down and slide it under your couch, oh. so it became like a hard uh, table. On one of the couch cushions. Okay, yeah. So I was yeah. like, that's a simple, fun hack that Brian might be able to do if you don't mm. have a couch that goes open because those right. have like metal things. You can't slide anything yeah. under those. Yeah, we've got that now because I built a like a C table kind of like that. It made me think of your C table, yeah, yeah. but the couch that we have it in right now is a recliner that has like the bar. So we I can't used to, really. Yeah, we used to have those and we couldn't put anything under there. Yeah. Just, but yeah. Yeah, but I did get a new sofa too. That's my other eventful thing. So not to promote like the brand or whatever, because there's no affiliation, but we got a love sack, like a sectional. Sofa. Yeah. Yeah. Memory foam type thing. And nice. I just like it because it's like building a Lego kit sofa. What What's this? The second <laughs> item under this bullet, though. Yeah. First one we've ever bought. You've never bought. Never, you've never purchased a couch. Before. Never purchased a sofa. We did for the business when we moved into this space. You've never, never personally bought a sofa for a home. We've always taken hand-me-down sofas. And how long have you and Rachel been cohabitating? We've been married for 16 years. 
And in that 16 years, you have never 16 years? purchased. 15 years. 15, a, 16. Shoot, I should know that. It doesn't matter. You've 2000, never, 2006. You've never purchased a, that? a That's new 16 years, yeah. sofa for your butts. Never purchased a new sofa. Oh my sofa. gosh. Yeah, always been hand-me-downs. Wow. First one was a hand-me-down from my sister. Then it was a hand-me-down from Rachel's parents. And then a hand-me-down from my two hand-me-downs, a love seat and a sofa from my parents. And then another set of hand-me-downs from Rachel's parents until now. So 16 years of marriage. First time we've ever bought a sofa. So was not excited about the prospect. We knew we needed it for a couple of years, but then COVID hit and we were like, I don't want to go buy a sofa in the middle of all this. So then we finally did it over the summer and just started to arrive in. Nice. So it's pretty fun. But I mean, the way that these sofas arrive, it's like all in pieces. Yeah. Because there's like a base. It's all modular. It's all modular. So it arrived. It was like 20 different pieces that just comes by like FedEx. Mm -hmm. So of course, the day that I leave to go on this trip the stuff arrived we ordered like two months ago which is honestly not bad i was expecting it to take a lot longer but i guess they're getting more caught up on stuff but of course the day i get down there rachel's like look what arrived and like our entire garage is filled with boxes and i was like cool so i drove back five hours on friday went to the bathroom and then started building sofa bill (laughs) and started working on that oh gotcha you didn't drive back oh not 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 right away but you had already already finished when I came back from the conference. Oh, yeah. I thought you were saying like you came back just no, to no, do no, that no. and then went back. No, and like, oh my God. Okay. No, no, no. But I knew, I knew <laughs> okay. I had that. I knew I had that waiting for me right. the whole time. And then Rachel like couldn't park in the garage oh, because this man. whole thing was sitting in there. So yeah. I don't know. I got home and I'd been sitting in the car and I was like, I need to like move my body. Yeah. So I went to town on sectionalville. Nice. And then what was really cool. So spent a lot of time building like up until like midnight doing this because it was a lot of different pieces yeah. and you got to put the covers on. It's a whole thing. But then we had, I, I built the whole like frame and all that, but then you got to let the like memory foam like yeah. poof out and kind of sit out for a while. Um, the kids woke up and were so excited. They put the covers on all of the like pillow parts, which is like 12 different parts or something like that. And so it was all ready. So I woke up on Saturday morning, you know, and the kids were surprised us by putting, the, and I was like, Wow, that's amazing. So that was really cool. Nice. I think they were excited to sit on the sofa too. So I don't know. Is it totally selfless act? But still, they did it. I'm going to give them lots of credit. Yeah. So, sure. Hey, yeah, the thing got, awesome. it got done. Yeah. So there's hope. There's hope. These nice. kids become useful at some point and helped <laughs> out with things, you know, beyond just like, you know, being your children and bringing you joy and that type of thing. They actually like can functionally provide like service to your household. Like swiffering. <laughs> like swiffering your dog hair. <laughs> Yep. Anyway, so yeah, now we got a new sofa. Nice. First one. First ever, sofa. Ever had. First new years. sofa. My yep. God. There we go. So that's been my that's been my my life. All right. Along with various yard work and other boring things. Of course. These are all the highlights. All right. That's all we got going on in our life. And now I uh, got a couple of company updates for you. All right. So uh, basically, the updates we have are videos that we have produced. So got two of them. These are all thanks to Drew. Drew's been picking up my slack lately, but he went to Rickshaw Bagworks when he was in San Francisco at the San Francisco Pen Show. Did a little tour with Mr. Shaw himself. Mr. Rick. And um, yeah, got to tour the tour the thing, tour the digs. And they the put digs. that out there. So yeah, go check that out. If you haven't seen it already, we posted that last week. And then uh, top pens in every brand, according to Drew. You should definitely... Give him your opinions on what you think about his opinions 
of the top 10 in each brand. How many brands did you do in total, Drew? It wasn't I did 10 brands. 10 brands, and okay. By and large, there was the major agree- ones, agreement, the major ones. but okay. there, was some, there was some debate surrounding mm. my choice for platinum. Yeah, you had uh, you you went for it. You had an opinion about I, it. I I feel like it was justified, and there have been plenty of people that said absolutely. Drew, I agree with you to make me feel like I wasn't off. Mm. So, fair enough. My reasoning, I still feel is sound. Okay, well, you all have to go check that video out and give your opinions as well. But if y'all like that, we could do more of that type of stuff. I don't know. We're trying to trying to trying to do some different type of content out there. Yeah, and then um, by time this is up, we will have um. Uh, brand overview video as well oh that's right yeah that's the one that has like 35 different brands so in just 12 minutes yeah or 12 12 ish this is this is a drew video this is not a brian video it had to be it was brian with 35 brands it would be like two and a half days constant live stream of brian i remember when i first told you i was doing this video you're like I was like, how is this even possible what? to fit all this in? But you got a you got a way about you. We've we've learned our different styles when it comes to videos. It's like when you wanna when you wanna go deep, throw Brian in the mix. Which, you know, stay tuned. There will be one of those coming too. That's right. Shooting some more stuff this week. So anyway, that's what we got going on. And uh yeah, I think we're gonna wrap this thing up. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for watching. Please leave us some feedback about how we are doing. Let us know if you have any questions so that we can answer them for future pencasts. Be sure to check out GoulaPens.com for your pen, ink, and paper needs. And subscribe to YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, all these things that we are up to. And you can email us at pencast at GoulaPens.com if you're an audio listener. And uh, I got a random fact. Nice, short, sweet one. A single cow can make roughly 200,000 glasses of milk in their lifetime. That's a lot of milk. 200,000 glasses The glasses is milk. what I'm impressed by. I didn't know they could do that. <laughs> It's gotta hurt, right? Anyway, single cow, two hundred thousand glasses of milk. It's a lot. It's a lot of milk. That it's is a lot of. I, that's that blows my mind. That's so much milk. Anyway, <laughs> I just I can't, I'm still like I've known this fact for some time, and I still have a hard time dealing with it. Anyway, hope you all have a wonderful week. We will catch you on the next one. Thanks, everybody, and right on. <laughs>